today's guest, friend, comedian Dave Williamson. We talk about uprooting his family and moving them to L.A., surviving Hurricane Andrew, and how to buy a car. And please, go to BurtBurtBurt.com, pre-order my book, Life of the Party, and get a Murdered Up Machine shirt! This is The BurtCast. And just talking it like a regular... Like a regular... Yeah, 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 perfect. I've done this time, too. I know, but you'd be shocked, man, how many people fucking... I know, whenever I listen and you have Joey on, it's hilarious. (laughs) Joey's a different... Yeah. Joey's different because Joey will not hold it. Yeah. And if he does hold it, he doesn't talk into it, but I don't think he talks into it really when he does... Well, um, he'll be talking and then all of a sudden he like fades out and then gets real loud again, you know? Yeah. As you see a remote control, I want to turn the TV off. Not that this is going to distract us. Oh, it's up on the front. Will you grab that remote control? I think it'll fit. In the man cave, Dave Williamson. Dave and I have worked together... Um, I'd probably say what, like five times, ten times? Uh, yeah, maybe like four or five weekends. Louisville, West Palm, a bu- Marco. A couple Marcos, right? Maybe. Or no, one. I mean, they all run together, man. Um, Louisville, definitely. That's the hardest I've ever laughed. <laughs> really? So, yeah, I, it's, Dave has, Dave is, I'll, I'll tell you Dave's story. I like, first of all, the way I, uh, the way I recite things the way i remember things i'm having a really hard time coming to terms with it because i have no i have no connection to what maybe the facts might be yeah okay like i well, i will tell you the story of how i'd talk to you like so like i'd be i bump into say uh i don't know fucking tosh say it ran into tosh you probably know tosh yeah. um, that's a bad example um say i ran into fucking brody stevens okay you, maybe you even know brody probably too but and he's like wait how, who's dave i go oh you know dave comic in miami he uh was a car salesman making tons of money like four kids five kids <laughs> <laughs> decided he wanted to do stand-up got into it was really good worked a lot of the south florida rooms at night while selling cars during the day coaching baseball on the weekends <laughs> football on the weekends <laughs> Went to school at Auburn, played ball there, and then he decided <laughs> he decided that he's going to move to L.A. and drop everything to follow his dream. And his wife, who's gorgeous, says, fuck yeah, let's do it. Okay, yeah. No, you got the important points there. Yeah, I got the important points. I fluff it up to make it a, give it a little razzle-dazzle. Yeah, it's two kids and it was coaching water polo, but everything else was spot on. <laughs> spot so, on. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we did a podcast... We did that. Po- we did a podcast in Marco Island. I was thinking about that on the way here. I totally forgot about and I, that. And I didn't. What did I not record it? We, it was New Year's Eve, and we were drunk as hell. Yeah. And we got back to the condo, which was really more like a uh, a porn palace. Yeah. And uh, and we're like, you're like, let's do a podcast. And I'm like, yes. You said to me, like, okay, I'm gonna do this for those who are listening. I'm gonna start off with a great fucking story. I'm gonna make Dave tell a great fucking story. Right off the bat. And then we'll talk about Auburn, Alabama, which I'm sure you must have been losing oh, your fucking man. mind for. I'm, I'm still giddy over that. Uh, you're the reason I started buying um, Florida State sweatshirts. Oh, really? Yeah, because you had a great Auburn sweatshirt with a hoodie that was like, it was embroidered. And I saw it and I'm like, that looks so fucking comfortable. Oh, man. I never knew I had that legacy with you. Yeah. And I swear to God, I bought a Florida Changed State your life. Florida State sweatshirt. I've been wear- I wear it every uh, Saturday. Right. It's got a hoodie. It's a fucking pullover. Who knew? And I, yeah, I got it in uh, Minneapolis. I was in the Mall of America and they have a great store there. And I was like, I almost got a double XL, which I wish I had just <laughs> well, to make it a little. Christmas is coming up, buddy. Yeah. So, wait. So, um, well, I don't even know which story you're going to say. Gonna, okay, well, first of all, the one that made me laugh harder, we'll tell later. Okay. The one that made me laugh the hardest was the one about this dog. <laughs> okay. 
But that, but, but I made you, because I couldn't remember why I thought it was funny. I made you tell it to me again, and, I, and then you were like, I don't know why you found that so funny. I know why you found that funny. Because of your wife? No, because you were about to get the dog. You're about to get your big dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and we were sitting in Jimmy John's. And I, I think what made it was well, what was funny to me about it was that I wasn't telling it to you as a funny story. No, I was telling it to you as like a cautionary tale. Like I was trying to give you like insight on getting a dog. That's what it was. And and uh, I think I just got really emotional telling the story. Yeah, and for whatever reason, you were thinking it was a cautionary tale. You just thought it was funny that I got myself in deep shit with my wife. Uh, we're gonna say it. well. Was it, I guess we should tell that story. No, wait. I want to meet your dog. I heard you. Oh, fucking dude! Cautionary tale. Priscilla's had an ACL surgery. Oh man, five thousand oh. dollars, and now is throwing her back out because she's been walking on one leg for so long. Yeah. So now she's just hobbling everywhere. She sleeps oh, on a so and and all her muscles are atrophied because she hasn't been able to walk. So she sleeps on a heating blanket all night, all day. We take her out to poop and pee. You'll see her in a little bit. Leanne will bring her out. All right. And but she's like hobbling. She's got one leg shaved. She's got a big scar down her leg. But by Christmas Eve, she should be a hundred percent. But her, throwing her back out really kind of pu- pulled her. It's taken her off her game because now she like gets up. She'll go out to go to the bathroom and then lay in the yard. Then go back and lay. Not like she did much anyway. Yeah. She's a pretty fucking that, lazy. That's what dog. happens. Like, I tore my Achilles a couple years back. Oh, that, oh then- my god! I want to talk about that too. Stop. <laughs> Let's start. I promise. I will right, we'll go in order. Okay, let's start with um, your Miami Heat story. Oh, okay. This right. is, by the way, when we were in, when we were in, uh, when we were in, Marco, Marco, you were like, I have a really good story. I'd love to tell you on your podcast one time, and I was like, really? And usually when people do that, I go like, there's a lot of people that have done that and really delivered, but usually people are like, it's like you, and I'm like, oh, really? And you're like, let's just tell it now. You told me a story. I did not record it, but I laughed so fucking hard listening to this story. So wait, just start it from the beginning. All right. Well, I hope you didn't pump it up too much. I didn't pump it up too in, much because I, it, it's, it's just more of a unique story, I think, than a great story. Yes. I don't think many people find themselves in that position, but it's just like, yeah, keep going. All right. So basically, if this had happened to anyone else, it would be fu- everyone that would have had this happen to you. You'd be like, this is one of my top five stories that's ever happened in my life. <laughs> okay. But um, one of my buddies uh, that I grew up with um, became the mascot at University of Miami. He was the Ibis. And then he dropped out of school and didn't have any career options. So he actually found himself working for the Miami Heat. I'm making sure I'm recording yeah, this time. Yeah, please do. Because yeah. we did like a two-hour drunk podcast. And, Marco, and it was funny shit. And, and then at the end, it probably was te- would have been terrible if we listened back to it. Though. And at the end, I was like, I didn't record any of that. Yeah. <laughs> And you're like, I was like, we'll do it another time. Okay, so so um, so my buddy was the Miami Heat mascot, which is this big, furry, fireball, bird-looking thing named Bernie, and he he was he did that for five or six years, made good money doing it and everything. And every now and then he would call me up to to do uh to do stuff for him, you know? He'd be like, hey man, you want to come to the game and be Bernice? We're doing a. I put on like an old mascot outfit. It was like one of the old birdie outfits, smelled like sweat and mothballs. <laughs> And they'd throw a big dress on it, and I'd be the female version of the mascot, you know? And they'd pay me 100 bucks, and I'd get to hang out with the Heat girls. No, at and- this time, are you are you st- selling cars? Yeah. I so was, this is fulfilling. Actually, I, I was um, – this particular story – I did do that while I was selling cars, but this particular story, I was working at a high school for a year coaching water polo. Okay. At a private school. So, so you so you're still have a like job, the- but you're also trying to try to get more into the business. Yeah, I was doing open mics. I had just gra- – you know, I was maybe like a – like two or three years out of college, and um, I was transitioning in the car business. I had just moved back from North Carolina, so I was I was coaching water polo for a little while. Okay, 
So, um, so my buddy calls me and he goes, Hey man, you want to go to the Lakers game tonight? I have a, I have a, a, a sketch in mind. And I go, all right. You know, cause every now and then we do something other than the Bernice thing. It's awesome. So, Heat yeah. versus Lakers. Who yeah, doesn't want to fucking go? Shaq was playing for the Lakers at the time. Like the Lakers were yeah. a tough ticket and everything. So I show up and he's like, all right, this is what you got to do. He's like, we're going to give you 20 bucks or 30 bucks, whatever you could buy, whatever beers you need to buy. Uh, we're going to give you a seat. And then I just need you to be like the most obnoxious Lakers fan in the world, and then you're gonna piss. And then when I come up to you, I want you to. Uh, the third time they put us on jumbotron, they're gonna shove me down the stairs and uh, and throw a beer at me. And I go, all right. I go, you sure about that? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he's like, and then and then I'll and then I'll get you back, and then we'll and then that'll be it. And it seemed pretty easy, you yeah. know. I'm like, ah, oh, that's a piece of cake, you yeah. know. Like the hardest part or, or the longest part is me just hanging out at the game by myself, being obnoxious. <laughs> Who doesn't want to do that? Yeah. So I got a I got a Shaquille jersey on that they gave me and a Lakers hat and they the security shows me points out the seat to me and I walk over there I start buying beers and I'm just being a dick man I'm just yelling Shaq you Shaq's the man Pete you suck you know just everyone around me is like who's this douche sitting by himself right I'm just screaming pissing everybody just off just getting right? into character oh my god I was having so much fun yeah I, I mean you know you're not gonna get thrown out it's like a it's a golden ticket yeah just to be a Dick at a basketball game, even though it's against you your don't team. You even like the Lakers, and I wasn't even making Heat fans look bad. I'm a Heat fan. I was making Laker fans look bad. Like, yeah, that was even a, a bonus. You yeah, know? so you're getting to you're you're playing for the enemy and making them look like assholes. Yeah, knowing I'm not going to get in trouble for it. You know. Yeah. So then uh, they they start uh, Bernie's going around the arena, and during a timeout, they do the jumbotron, the dance cam, or something like that. You know. Yeah. So just putting random people on. On the big screen, uh, on the jumbotron, and so they they uh, they put Bernie on, and I'm who happens to be standing right next to me. So now we're supposed to like jostle for position in yeah. the jumbotron. We're we're like boxing each other out, and then it's like um, every time they put us on, it's increasingly a little bit more um, you know physical. And then the third time they put us on, I threw him uh, like down the stairs, but he really <laughs> took a dive. You know, it looked bad, and then he told me to throw my beer on him. I told him to throw, he told me to throw his beer on him, and, and you barely even see that on the Jumbotron, and I literally pour a beer on him, and I'm like, that was overboard. In my head, I'm thinking, that was way overboard, right? <laughs> it was right? too much. Yeah. <laughs> and they, and he they, takes, like, a full flight of stairs, like, yeah. like he's a jackass, yeah, and you right? pour a beer on him. Yeah, and then and so then I thought he's going to get me back right then, right? Well, he gets up, the timeout's over, and he walks away, and I realize, no, he's going to get me back later in the game. And now no security came, and, and it's just like, they're just coming back from timeout, and I'm just sitting there like, oh, shit, everyone is going to be really upset with me for that. So people are looking around, they can't believe what just happened, they're like, where's security? Hey, man, that wasn't cool at all. Get this guy like, the what, fuck out of here. What do you, you know, and this is this is not like this happened in, uh, you know, Minnesota or something. This is looking Miami, Miami, right? People are like, not cool, man, you're a fucking dick. Yeah, yeah. So people are like yelling at me and shit, and now I'm trying to stay in character, but I'm like a lot more, home. I'm like, I'm like hey, go, go Lakers. Hey, come on, Lakers. You can do it. Like, you know? I so, love that he fucking left you there. That he fucking takes me. a flight and then gets up and just walks away. So, so it literally at one point there oh. was this there was this giant black guy sitting in front of me, right? And he seemed like a, like a nice enough guy, and he wasn't saying anything to me or whatever. Thank God. Yeah. And I finally, uh, I was a little worried about these guys behind me. I leaned over and whispered in the guy's ear, "I go, I work for the Heat. <laughs> if these guys try anything, you got my back, right?" And the guy just giggled. He's like, he's like, I think it made sense to him at the time. That he's yeah. Like, All right, I got you, man. You know. 
Oh, so, so now, you got three guys behind you that are really now like fucking talking loud and breathing down your neck. Oh yeah, man, there's people everywhere. <laughs> so it had to be the longest amount of time in between timeouts in the history of basketball. And I'm just sitting there like, when is this next timeout gonna happen? Right? It just keeps going, and the game keeps going. And then finally, um, they call timeout, and you start cheering. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Time good, out. good call, coach. Good call, coach. So then Bernie, uh, or no, then they started putting people back up on the Jumbotron again for dance cam again, right? Oh. And uh, they put a few people up there, and everyone's laughing, whatever. And then they put me up there, and under it, it said, uh, beer guy, or something like that, you know? And when they put me up on that Jumbotron, trust me when I tell you, I've been to hundreds of heat games in my life. I've never heard uh, an arena unite in hatred <laughs> like that in my life like, like the place like, went nuts booing for me up up next was hitler and they were like yeah he's yeah, okay yeah. but that beer guy yeah. how dare you do that to our beloved bernie <laughs> so they uh they put me up like three times again and every time they threw me up there the 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 booze became louder and louder and i just got to go with it so i'm like throwing my air, hands up in the air like bring it yeah screw you guys right yeah. <laughs> And so then they start playing the Rambo music, and the the camera turns, and you see Bernie comes running out of the arena, or out of the the tunnel, wearing a Rambo um, bandana and a gigantic super soaker, right? Yeah. And now I gotta pretend like like I can't get away from this, right? So I start to like <laughs> pretend like I don't want him to squirt me, and as he's wa- working his way up the the staircase, I go to um to walk out, like you know, I wasn't yeah. really gonna walk out, but I was just pretending. And these dudes behind me, I'll grab my, my shirts and everything, and they're just hanging on to my shirt tail. Like, you're not going anywhere, yeah, asshole. Like, yeah. <laughs> so they held me there, and he just uh, lit me up with a super soaker, and the place cheered. And then I had to make this frumpy look like, I can't believe you did that. Yeah. And I just stormed out. And the security still never came. Really? And like, yeah, so then, I don't know if it might have been a, a, a bad thing, because I think a lot of people probably thought, like, we could get away with a lot of shit in this arena, you know? <laughs> We can fucking throw mascots down a flight of stairs. <laughs> All he's gonna do is super soak us. So my buddy, I have I have the feed from the um That's the best part. You sent that feed to me. Yeah, I gotta dig it. I have it on VHS. I have the feed, but it's almost I don't like showing it to anybody because it doesn't do it justice because I don't have input for the audio. So you can't get an appreciation for just you can hear people booing. Yeah. But you can't get an appreciation for how, how loud. loud the booing is. Yeah. That's Oh, fucking... and then so I was I was coaching at this really nice private school and the next day I'm at work and this little kid comes up to me and goes, Coach Dave, my daddy said you were at the game and you were a real asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like I was I was acting. Like you know, I'm an actor, guys. You know, kids thought I was really Do you think the guy from Inglorious Bastards is really like that? Yeah. Although I kinda do think he really is. Like that guy that, that hello not what accent am I doing? I haven't seen that movie. Are you serious? No. I no. saw the beginning of it yesterday. I've been on a movie kick later and I was just or lately and I, I was just thinking I need to watch that movie. Wait, what movies have you seen them recently? I just watched the Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Oh I loved, loved it. it. Loved it. It's awesome. By I the way, it took me so long to see it. I wouldn't mind a little more of that. Like do that with everything. They did do another one. They did um I don't even remember what it was. Like Thomas Jefferson Werewolf or they try to do some sort of I love when they mash up. I one of the hardest I've ever laughed. I did Doug uh Benson's podcast like Doug Loves Movies, maybe like Three weeks ago, mm-hmm. I'm guessing maybe three weeks ago, four, maybe even a month ago, uh, a little longer. And um, I had said we were talking about the Wiz, and I said I love when they do that. And he's like, "What? Make it a musical?" And I go, "No, make it black. Like just make it do oh, the yeah. same movie, make it black." 
And he was, I was like, I wish they'd do that more often. And he was like, that would never fucking work. I was like, what do you mean it would never work? This is the hardest I've ever left. I go like, Ocean's Eleven. How great would that be with Kevin Hart, Eddie Murphy, uh, Chris Tucker, like Bernie Mac, like all the, all the, not Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac would be an impressive get these days. <laughs> no, uh, Cedric the Entertainer. And, um, and Doug said, oh yeah, I'm sure that plot would go on real long. Who do you think robbed the casino? Maybe the 12 <laughs> black guys winking at each other? <laughs> I, could, I thought it was the funniest fucking... With, with crocodile shoes. Yeah, I could not stop laughing. And then I couldn't stop I couldn't stop laughing the next day about movie plots that just wouldn't work if they were black actors. Like Jaws, yeah. never would have happened. <laughs> They'd just been like, nah. Yeah, yeah not going to happen. Yeah. I heard there's a shark out there. Yeah, we're going inland. Yeah, and so and uh, and then usual suspects, they just would have all gone to jail. Yeah, they brought him in the first time. They were like guilty. Yeah, they all they have forced confessions. Yeah. So, uh, but um, that was one of the hardest I've ever laughed. But the um, what were we just saying? My brain is fucked about man. movies. I'm on a movie kick. Oh yeah, what did you say you saw? I so I saw the the Vampire Hunter. I love that. I love they're doing that same thing with Sense and Sensibility. Okay, Sense and Sensibility. They're gonna do a mashup, Zo- and it's a zombie apocalypse. Oh, zombies! Okay, I'm a big time. I'm. I'm a, I, I don't get into the sci-fi stuff very often. Yeah, but I'm all over this Walking Dead zombie stuff, man. Uh, I saw you on Twitter. That's why I tweeted you last night because I was like, I saw you on Twitter a th- couple times. Uh-huh. I was like, fuck, I haven't talked to Dave in forever. And then I was like, I hope he's in fucking L.A., not in Miami. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm out here. Most and of then, time. and then, uh, where's the family? Are they out here or back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. We got a little place in El Segundo now. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we're not in the the RV or anything. We're we're here. Oh, that's right. You uh, you sold everything, got in an RV, and did like a road trip. Did yeah. dates. When we left Miami to move here, we did a year and a half in an RV. Really? So I just worked the road every weekend, or was out here living in Malibu in the RV. Oh, wait, no. you were living in the Malibu and RV? Yeah. In, in Malibu in the RV? Yeah, we did. Well, we did like Malibu or Long Beach or, or uh, Playa del Rey at Dockweiler. You know, there's a couple different places you can basically live in an RV. So, so wait, what? how was that for the family? Was it tough? It was awesome, man. I really? Mean, when we first left and conceived this trip and went for it, I was thinking that it was going to be a make or break thing. Like a month in, I was going to do others to be a really good idea, a really bad idea. Yeah. And luckily, it just really went the right direction, man. We had a blast. You know, my wife homeschooled the kids and I got to work every weekend and have them with me. And uh, Holy shit. Yeah, it was a good way to transition to living in LA too because we were living in a gorgeous RV park in Malibu for a fraction of what it would cost to have an apartment living in something that was about the same size as an L.A. apartment, you know? Yeah, probably. And we got to, like, really try out different areas of town. And, and kind of, you know, you remember last year when I was talking to you and I was you were saying, like, oh, Valley Village is a good area. And I was yeah. just really distraught over where we should end up, you know? Yeah. And uh, El Segundo is a, a good place for us, you know? It's 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 perfect. El Segundo is great. We almost moved down there. Yeah. yeah Liam right. wanted to live down by the beach because the schools are so great down by the beach. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like, what? The, like, why would you... I say this living fucking a solid 45 minutes away from the beach but like why would you live in LA and not live by the beach when you could live by the beach Santa Monica Venice yeah. Malibu uh, Playa del Rey I mean there's so many beautiful Marina del Rey like there's so many beautiful areas and you got beautiful weather f- fucking 275 days a year yeah it's a quality of life thing man you know I mean maybe I have to drive an extra 30 minutes in for auditions and to do spots but who gives a fuck my wife it's gonna be know. 30 minutes anyway yeah. and the best part is for a comic, you're right by the airport. Exactly, man. I could take an eight dollar cab ride to the airport if my wife can't drop me off, and it's that's big. That's yeah, that's really uh, um, money. Segura and Push just moved. But you know, down this is the, the thing too, man. Is that when you're living on a, a, a comics um, 
you know, salary, I guess you would call it. <laughs> Stipend? <laughs> yeah. I mean, my wife is obviously, and my family is much more okay uh, living without uh, luxuries when my wife can get up in the morning and jog and be jogging down the strand, you know? Yeah. It's like the quality of life is so high without making a ton of cash, you know? You get so much more. Like when you live in Valley Village, you have to, you know, get a gym membership. And then, you know, you probably are going to, like, there's a lot of things you're going to do. When you live down by the beach, you got, you don't even need a backyard because the beach is your backyard. You're like, let's go outside. Let's just go to the fucking beach. Yeah, exactly. My my buddy James lives, James and Marta live down by the beach. And I've known them for, before they had kids, before we had kids, we all hung out. And, um, and it's so funny, you, like you have all these friends that uh, that you're close and tight with when you're single, or not when you're single, but when you're all are dating and everyone can go out and party. But then you go down, like you grow up and everyone kind of stays in their area and yeah. you don't see them as much. But it's like I saw, I see James's kids got to be like ten now, eleven, and his kids like a fucking almost pro surfer. Yeah, and because they live down in Manhattan Beach or wherever. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we. I mean, we go to the. We lived in Miami, which has tons of beaches, and we never went. You yeah, because we were living in the suburbs, and it's just too difficult to. Load up the truck and go. But now it's like even before the game the other day, the the Iron Bowl was at twelve thirty and at like ten. We're like, let's go to the beach for an hour. You know, oh, let's sit great. on the beach for an hour and then just hop in the car, go back. You know? How old are your kids? Now they're uh, four and six. Two boys. Two boys. God, growing up, fucking Southern California boys. Yeah. What a what a life. It suits them, man. They they uh, they take to the 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 beach lifestyle. God, I'm so impressed by the road trip you did. It was awesome. Really? Yeah, it was really neat. Like what was the over under on sex? Uh, it was. They say the national average is six times a month. Over. I'm below the national average for paraplegics. I would say over, and because we were on the trip, like it was, really, yeah, it was just such a great. I mean, especially coming from the past several years. I mean, having kids in itself is is stressful, and uh, having a big house, and you know, just the kids go to bed, and my wife spend two hours cleaning our house, and. And then me, I was working a lot at the car dealership. Yeah, it just you know, it's not it's not good for you mentally, and, and that 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 shows up in your marriage, I think, in your friendships and everything. And then now we made this life decision where we were just flying by the seat of our pants and spending a hundred percent of my days with my my family, and even when I'm traveling, I mean, ninety percent of our job is just getting to the gig, you know, on an airplane by ourselves. Yeah. So now instead of doing that, I was driving with my family in a car and we got to talk and hang out and laugh and it was like every club was my home club all of a sudden you know really got to eat like home meals and sleep in my own bed now did you go into the clubs telling them yeah well, i'm on a road trip my family's here like or anything or did you just roll in like it was just a date yeah i mean i don't know i talked about it a little bit yeah and then for the the last 10 weeks of it i was doing a little like web series for nick mom about it so oh, really? I was, so I was filming a lot with my camera and everything. Oh, wait. Where, where is that? Where can people find it? Uh, if you go to Nick Mom and just search my name, it'll pop up. Really? Yeah, it was awesome. It was just like my home movies that every week I would edit them on iMovie into three-minute little you know, tidbits and, and send it to them. It's amazing what you can do these days. Like I did a, I did a fucking TV-quality time-lapse of my sister's place at thanksgiving yeah. like the clouds just look cool and they were rolling in there were weird things and i was like yeah i'll take this gopro set it on time lapse do 30 seconds and i'll edit it i put it all together gave isla the gopro she ran around i put some music to it and you got time lapse intro isla running around just uh, and it looks like it belongs on tv and it's amazing what you can do by yourself think of fucking podcasts i you I, i'm sure you were of the 
It's fucking, that's the beauty of living in the valley. You hear that the, fucking the, the dumpster? Gar- yeah, garbage. They're empty in the dumpster. We're lucky we don't have Mona screaming out here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so crazy because uh, it was, you know, it's, there used to be a time where you're like, I'd love to do a radio show. I don't even know how to do that. Yeah. No, it's like, fuck it. I'll do my own. I was telling you, I was doing one by myself this morning just to see what it sounds like. Bill Burr's like, start at like 10 minutes. Do a 10 minute one, listen to it, and then grow. He's like, soon you'll be able to get to like an hour yeah no it's it's crazy man the technology's there if you just put the effort in and don't get intimidated by it you know uh i just did one of those little doritos commercials with like seven or eight other comics and we just threw it together like we literally threw it together the like the oh for the super bowl yeah yeah oh shut up and uh and we threw it together and it looks awesome like you know it 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 looks like it could be you know a commercial because just cameras are so amazing these days and editing equipment you know it's so funny the payoff too like I tweeted I saw something really beautiful this morning I'm sure you, maybe you saw it on Twitter but I saw at our we had to do Monday morning assembly for the kids so you take them to school and everyone kind of waits and kids get awards and all the parents sit back and have coffee and I saw two gay dads they do that every morning every every Monday, Monday fucking kids morning. get award every week every week jeez that's different childhood than i remember yeah i don't i don't think i got i got that's that's why these kids are growing up and even though they're in the nfl they're bitching about being bullied yeah yeah how did you think about what did you think about that you because you're a miami fan oh i all i care to i mean i don't know look i mean everybody should deserves to have a workplace that they feel comfortable in but everyone also has the option of quitting you know, yeah. I mean, the guy, if the guy was having an issue and, and Richie Incognito was really being that big of a dick, then the guy should have just said, hey, I'm out of here. You know what? Trade me. Yeah. Should have gone to the GM and said, trade well, me. I think he did that kind of. He did walk out. But I think he no, should. He you're walked, saying he should. He just disappeared, which if you just disappear, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out, you know? And then, yeah. and then he went to Oh, the you're media. saying he should have handled it internally and just yeah, gone up and said, hey, internally. I'm fucking out of here. I don't like this workplace. Yeah, man. I mean, look. I'm sure that Richie Incognito went too far on some things, and the guy was uncomfortable. I, I, I but, guarantee you, Rich, uh, and I'm saying this, understanding that I was not there, but I can guarantee you, Richie Incognito, Richie Incognito was probably relentlessly exhausting to this guy. Yeah. I'm sure of it. However, what you're saying is, like, and I, I agree, it, it, I agree, and I don't agree. Like, I, I agree that I, I do agree that um, that I do believe that. People go, this is fucking NFL, man. Fucking take him down. Punch him. I'm like, well, you know, bullying is, is a psychological game that happens. And I've been bullied as an adult. And you're like, this is fucking odd. How did I get myself in this situation? Like, I, how do I get out of it? And then you just got to fucking cut ties and run. Sure. But I understand what you're saying. I, I give the guy um, credit for saying, hey, man, I, I don't I don't need this. Yeah. And not being afraid to, to I guess, now be the poster child for anti-bullying. Man, but, I don't think he knew what was going to happen. No, probably not. I think he thought it would be handled, and it fucking exploded. And I guarantee you, there was a couple of days where he sat in his fucking parents' house. He was like, "Maybe I should have talked to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Guaranteed. I bet there's another way I could handle it, it, this." Yeah, it, it was the wrong way to do things. And just me as a Dolphins fan, our offensive line was already the worst one in the league, and now we lost probably two of the best three guys on that line. Yeah, and I can't believe Tannehill hasn't been murdered. Do you by think? This point. Do you think uh, Richie Incognito is going to come back? I don't see many scenarios where public public relations wise that could happen. Yeah, like, like, I did. I did really. I did really enjoy the um, the 
all the brothers standing up for him using the n-word yeah i I was i I was like i was like you know what like it's so funny because it like look it's he he lives in a very different world you can't hold him to the same standards you hold everyone else to man even 10 years ago i could not imagine that happening on a in in a public forum like that i couldn't imagine it i was blown away however I, I and I I I wish you could get the insight because what was happening was Chris Carter was calling him a straight up racist. Chris Carter was on the NFL. Yeah, Chris Carter's an old guy. The guys yeah. in the locker rooms are young guys. Yeah, Tom Jackson was very you know outspoken about what a piece of shit Richie Incognito is, and it's like well. N- We've only heard it's only two days in. We haven't heard all sides of the story, you know. That's the weird thing about. Um, I let me put it this way before you, before I lose this thought. Okay, my buddies, we like six of my best friends from high school. We have a text message chain. Yeah, we just text message every day back and forth to each other. Right? Just horrificness. Yeah. So one of them in that text message chain was saying Incognito is a racist and a piece of shit, and uh, you know, there's no taking out of context what he wrote. You know, he obviously is a racist. And I went, scroll back and think of the media got a hold of this chain that we're yeah, talking right now. Yeah. What assholes we would look like. I, I said, I said, I, we were in the van for Trip Flip, and I was like, and someone said that. Because what I said, like, I, I took the crew of Trip Flip, and I was like, what we need to do is we need to all text, mass text, naked pictures of each other to each other so that we are all held accountable so that if anyone tries to snitch on us, it's blood in, blood out. We just post your <laughs> naked pic. Look what he sent yeah. to me. Uh, it's all dudes, by the way. Press so, release coming through. Yeah, and we thought it was a joke. We all thought it was funny, and we laughed, and then I said, I go, I bet, I go, I bet. They're not that bad. I go, tell me if this, and I go to read, because probably Segura is one of my closest friends. I go to read Segura and my text back and forth to each other. And I go, this doesn't even sound, literally, the first text I read, I couldn't read out loud in the workplace. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, never mind, never That's mind, game's happens, over. man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, none of my friends are homophobic or racist. Like, they're all great guys. But if somebody who didn't know, especially the media, which is the reason why all this bullshit happens in the first place. Yeah gets a hold of it, they could make us look terrible. Yeah, it, it's it's it is out of context. Um like it's and and, and I mean, look, I'm not defending I'm not defending it one way or the other. It's amazing how I fucking all of a sudden I'm on the fence about this issue. But the truth is, I've always been a fan of comedy. If you can make me laugh any way you make me laugh, I fucking laugh. Like I don't give a fuck. It's just a trigger I got that makes me go, "Oh." And and if it works, it works. And if if I've been in that locker room, who fucking knows what I would have laughed at, what I would have said? I don't know. I've seen YouTube videos of what you do to openers in green rooms. Yeah. <laughs> What did you think? What do you think about? What do you think about the? Um, I haven't talked. I've never talked sports on this podcast. What do you think about the Jameis Winston thing? Uh, same kind of thing, man. Uh, I think that everyone jumped to conclusions the second it came out because the media puts whatever spin is the juiciest on it. And then as as things came, at first I was like, "This kid's toast." At the no, first, at first I was like, "This is no big deal." And then the DNA thing came out. And I'm like, this kid's toast. Yeah. And then, because uh, that's not just like an NCAA violation. That's a straight up crime and a moral one. <laughs> that's that, the, we're not just signing yeah. something for a fucking <laughs> free meal. Yeah, that wasn't like sign. You think about like Johnny Manziel, how close he came to getting fucked and out this season over signing jerseys. Yeah. This is raping somebody, you know? <laughs> you're not allowed to do that if you're not a good athlete. on the scale. <laughs> so at first, I love how they were like, well, the the... The, the chick said that he was 5'10". wasn't him, you know? Yeah. And then it's like, well, DNA says it was. 
Okay, well, it was consensual sex. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. We all knew that all along, right? Yeah. You know? So I, I don't think it's going to affect this season, but I mean, uh, I just I just hope that if this chick's doing it for attention or whether it really happened, that the truth uh, the truth prevails, Bert. There should be the same punishment for someone, and I only say this because I was a big proponent of the Duke lacrosse team because I knew yeah. I knew right when that came out that they didn't do anything, mostly because she said they. They had there was there was a broom involved. I was like, "What fucking frat house has a broom? Yeah, where are they going to find Plus, a broom?" Wasn't she like a hooker? Not she was a she was drunk. She I think stumbled in and out. They had pictures her stumbling in and out. And yeah, so I, who the knows? Most credible person to be in. Who knows? I'm not gonna like. But I, all I will say is that the group that I that was found innocent, but Leanne and I had very different opinions. She was like, "Oh, they totally fucking did it. That's what frat boys do." And in a weird way, she was indicting me because I was in a fraternity. Mm-hmm. I go, "That's not what frat boys do." Hold on. Yeah, I, I'll be dead honest with you. They're very. It's it's a certain type of guy that will have sex with a woman in front of other guys. There's not. That's just not across the board. I would never in a million years ever have sex in front of other dudes with a chick, let alone commit a crime with like. There's a. It's I. And so I just was like, I was like, they didn't do it. I do believe that if he did it, fucking throw the book at him. I don't need to see him play football. If he didn't do it, throw the book at her. Like it, it needs to be. Uh, even keeled on both sides of yeah. it. Yeah, but, you shouldn't be able to fuck with someone's life. However, like I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to set up a scenario where women are afraid to. I don't. I, sh- I, maybe I take back what I say because I don't want to take. Because I understand that that t- that mentality of women are afraid to speak up because they're like, oh fuck, I'm gonna be run through the trash anyway. I don't need that, and I was raped also. Like I, w- I, I, I having a two daughters. I'm more on the woman's side on this yeah. than the man's usually, only because I've never raped anybody, well, and I yeah. have two daughters. But, uh, but you say that because date rape isn't really rape, <laughs> right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, oh god, Kidding, fucking people. Le- yeah, everyone. That is a joke. Kidding, that is, yeah, that's what we're. Yeah, we're but yeah, let's get the fuck out off of these right. serious subjects. All right, well, to, tie, we here? to tie that to tie that up in a bow and bring it back to the Jonathan Martin thing, I feel I feel like you just said it. Nicely there. I do think that the guy might have been um, uh, unfairly treated, but I do not think that he was unfairly treated based on what the media was telling me. I think of it just based on the fact I think that it could it, happen. You're right. And the I guy think, should be able to come out yeah. and, and speak his mind, but I don't necessarily think that that's what happened. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, I think the media, whatever, media was, is going to attack everyone. The at some media point. was trying to make someone out of a hero who was just reacting to something that happened to him. Yeah. Exactly. So, who fucking knows? What, uh, where did you watch the Auburn-Alabama game? So, we watched it at my house. We decided, because my, my son's at the age now where he loves watching football and basketball with me on TV. Yeah. He gets into it more than I do. He's so emotionally involved. And, um, and I, it's not really, it never works out well. I've tried to take him to like some, some sports bars during the day. We eat lunch and watch, you know? Yeah. And it's just not as, it doesn't work. So, so we just watched it at home uh, with my wife, who also went to Auburn. Yeah, and my two kids, and uh, and I just lost my shit. And I was on a cruise ship the week before, so I missed the Georgia game, and I was just so upset. I'm like, oh, that was such an epic finish in the Georgia game. Yeah, uh, that I, you know, I'm like, yeah, it sucks. And then as the Auburn game started wrapping up towards the fourth quarter, I was just thinking like, the, this the table is being set for a dramatic. Oh. That's so fucking funny for a dramatic, you know, ending, you know. And I'm like, I just felt like, I felt like Auburn owed it to me for missing the, or the world owed it to me for missing, for missing that, that Georgia fucking game, Georgia. Yeah. And then Listen, it happened. 
Listen to this. This is Isla and I. Hold on. I think I can do this. This is Isla and I watching the Auburn game. Oh, nice. Yeah, okay. I GoPro'd my son watching a Heat game the other day because he was cracking me up so much, just screaming at the refs. I think. Okay. All right. I'm going to keep it on low. and let. It, wait, maybe I'll just do this. I'll just do this. Watch this. This is it. Hold on. Hold on one sec. So this... This is Isla. So sometimes the girls will come in and I'll let them do podcasts. Uh-huh. And so I would never post them because all they do is curse. <laughs> Wait, your daughters do? Yeah. All they do is they, they talk like they think they, they, they should. She's talking about me and my wife getting divorced. <laughs> Listen to her. The, I'll I'll plug I'll play this and I'll play this at the end of this podcast in its entirety for those who want to hear. But this is okay. Wait, wait. Okay, so this is, is this audio or video. This is audio. Oh, okay. Listen. Look, this is how she talks about me. Look, she's talking about me and White Leanne getting divorced. Okay, so this is okay. They're icing the kicker right now. Okay, you ready? This is Isla and I watching the game right. together. I'll play this all for everyone at the end. She's just repeating me. I wonder if I can. Missed it. That's earlier. Missed it earlier. And then look, this one got blocked. That poor kid. Yeah. I wonder if the kicker, not your daughter. Well, your daughter too, if she's doing podcasts about you guys getting divorced. No, it was it was Griffin. It was the freshman kicker. Yeah, they switched kickers for that last kick. What? Stop hitting your mouth with the microphone. Hello, baby. Let's go out on Saturday night. This kid's a freshman, Isla. What? 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 Very little wind. This is what now? Here we go, Isla. This is the ball game. Daddy. Hold on, we're watching this. You ready? I'm on a spin bike, by the way. 57-yard attempt. Will he make it, Isla? He's crazy. Randy McFarland is crazy. That means bird on travel camp. Here we go. They didn't. No, he didn't. Here it comes. Okay. Okay, Isla, he's running it back. Isla, he's running it back for a touchdown. Are you shitting me? <laughs> Isla? <laughs> Isla Grace Chrysler. <laughs> Auburn just won. Okay, <laughs> so now that's your reaction, and you have no emotional attachment other than the fact that you didn't want to see Bama in the national championship. Nope, I wanted Florida State to be number one. Now imagine my reaction... And I went to school at Auburn. Like, I'm yeah. emotionally invested in that institution. Especially against Alabama. Especially in the Iron Bowl. Especially in a season when it gives us a chance to go if a few things happen, you know? We're going, right? If Auburn... <laughs> I thought Auburn should be number two, quite, quite honest. Yeah, well, I thought Auburn should be number two because Ohio State had a rough, you know, like, they had a rough time with Michigan. Michigan's not even fucking ranked. I think Michigan State will beat Ohio State, man. Really? I think, yeah. I gotta believe, dude. Gotta believe. So wait, so uh, like that, by the way, that Auburn-Alabama rivalry is fascinating Crazy, to me. Man. I grew up in Miami going to University of Miami football games when UM was 
uh, a dynasty. We, I, you know, national championships. I went to national championships. I would paint my face. I mean, I was about as diehard of a UM fan, which was an amazing, you know, uh, thing to be a part of. Especially then. And then I went to Auburn, and Auburn wasn't even good at the time. And I was like, holy shit. I had no idea <laughs> yeah. that this was college football. Like, Auburn is the definition of uh, Auburn, Alabama, uh, Ole Miss. Like those schools are the definition of college football. It's insane. People show up on Monday for uh, for the game because the football stadium's in the middle of campus. So people start showing up on Monday and Tuesday in RVs and they park on campus in their tailgate spot. That's crazy. And they just live there all week because if they show up any later than Monday, they're not going to get a spot for their RV. Really? So, yeah. So we would go on a big game, like an Alabama game, for example. We would go take like um, steaks and um, uh, like uh, caution tape, and you would mark off your tailgate spot. What a fat fuck am I? I thought you were talking and, about real steaks. No, it's like <laughs> well, shut was, up. This yeah, sounds great like, already. <laughs> no, we do a lot of that too. But we would cook <laughs> venison legs. I would drive over to Georgia and get a big like hind quarter of a of a deer from my uncle. Yeah, you know, and I would take it back. And I'd set my alarm clock for 8 in the morning on game days, go start my little piece of shit college grill that I bought at a garage sale, put a, 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 a hind quarter on it, go back to bed, go to the drink all day, go to the game. When we come stumbling home drunk at like 8 o'clock at night, it had been roasting for, you know, for 12 hours. And we would just Shut annihilate it, you know? So, so, uh, so wait, people were like... Auburn football, like walk me through a Saturday of Auburn football, and then I'll walk you through a Saturday of Florida State football. All right, and I've been to some Florida State games, but um, my uh, job, I'm walking you through it back in fucking the what 19th century yeah. back in back in 1990. <laughs> That's when I've been <laughs> the 20th century. So um, so yeah, Auburn. So you there's you know parties all weekend, obviously. So you wake up hungover, and I actually wrote an article. Of, I'll walk you through it by doing this. Um, I wrote an article when I was in college about Auburn being the best tailgate spot um, in the world or whatever. Yeah. And my, the way that I proved it was I left my, um, my wallet at home on purpose, and I just documented the day as, a, as like a diary kind of. And I, my point was that I could get drunk and um, eat all day long without having any money. Um, really? Just, and yeah, just walking around uh, talking to strangers. So I had a cameraman follow me. And uh, we started at like you know ten o'clock in the morning for like a you know an afternoon game. Wait, did you did you have did you pitch me a show? Yeah, yeah. Did you ever We're do that? that? Nah. Fuck. You crushed my dreams on it. Did I really? No, no. But it, it needs more work. Yeah, I, I like the idea though. Keep yeah. going. Sorry. So, anyways, so I just walked around like and and just would you know tell people, hey, War Eagle, you know, and just start talking to them, and they'd be like, hey, you want some food? You need something to drink? And there's just every ounce of that campus is covered. With either um, students setting up tailgate spots or big RVs with alumni that came back, yeah. or somebody who painted their truck tiger stripes. I mean, every inch of the campus is covered, and you can tailgate on campus. Where is Auburn? Auburn is uh, in Alabama, uh, about an hour and fifteen minutes from Georgia, and it's very close to the Georgia line. It's very close to like Columbus, Georgia. Things like that. Okay, and then so keep going. So, um, so Auburn's just like that, man. It's just, uh, it's just. Starting at the stadium and going out, there's just every inch of grass is filled up with tailgate spots, and you just drink and eat all day long and hang out, and then you just you walk like in in Miami, we would have to park like 
in a, a mile away in somebody's in a, in, front yard. Oh, and dude, say, I fucking... No blocky, no blocky, which means your car wouldn't get blocked in for 20 bucks, and you know? <laughs> no blocky. But, uh, yeah, that was the thing. No blocky, no blocky. And those people would make shit tons of cash. Really? Selling parking spots in their little small front yards or backyards for... For Kane's games, I guess what they did, you know. I, I dude, and and it was I was a sketchy ride down there. A very, yeah. I we I went to a few her, uh, few Florida State uh, Miami games down there. Yeah, and just fucking terrified. Yeah, don't don't go to the wrong part. God, it's like going to a fucking Raiders game. Mm-hmm. Like just terrifying. I I always hated Miami. I always hated them up until Billy Corbin did the U. Yeah, Billy's I, an awesome guy. Man. I yeah, saw that and I was like, fuck, that's a good movie. It's and an amazing movie, man. Really, All those movies are awesome. And then uh, and Billy, I, Billy Corbin, if you guys don't know, he's the he does documentaries and he did the U for thirty for thirty. And he, he did cocaine did cowboys, cocaine cowboys, which is amazing. If you haven't seen it, go get it right now. And he did broke for broke. Uh, thirty yep. for thirty. Yep. he's a great f- filmmaker. Yeah, he's awesome. Man. He's a good guy too. Big comedy fan. Yeah, I, I met him a few times doing uh, Paul and Young Ron. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then I did a, I did a show at Miami with uh, Al Jackson. Yeah, Al's one of my best friends. Al's dick looks like a Snickers bar, <laughs> according to his bit. Yeah. I love that bit. I fucking laughed so hard. Yeah. But uh, but um, we did a show there, and they were the fucking. It was the cool. We did it in a bar. We could drink. We uh, I drank aggressively. We fucked around. You could make all types of uh, of. Uh, ethnic, ethnic, ethnicity jokes, racial jokes, mm-hmm. because everyone's there. It's a yeah. very diverse campus, and they all get it, and no one's offended. It's not like an uptight liberal. It's a very like liberal meaning in the open minded of everything. So you did a you did a, a show with Al at a bar near University of Miami, inside University of Miami. Oh, okay, the on rat. campus. Oh, all right, man. Yeah, all right. Probably the Ratskeller or something like that. I don't know. It was it was pretty nice. Um. Yeah, and so Miami, I mean, that's where I grew up. You know, all my friends were like that. And like we were saying earlier, like we could say anything we want. Like, you know, my friends were all Cuban or black or, you know, or, you know, Nicaraguan. And and, and it's Florida. Florida's a weird place. I didn't realize how weird it was until I left. Yeah. Florida's an interesting place. I ran into some more right after the Drayvon Martin thing. Mm -hmm. And some more. And I was, I said something about guns. And she's like, fuck that. You ain't taking my gun. Yeah. Her and her husband were like, we got guns and we protect ourselves and we'll shoot first and ask later. Yeah. Well, I don't have to put words in Samora's mouth, but <laughs> we were drinking. Yeah. Well, imagine. So I grew up with that atmosphere and then I went to school up at Auburn. You know, I'm an 18 year old kid. And, uh, you know, you'd like to think that there's no racism uh, in the deep south, but I never saw any like flat out, like just insane racist shit. Yeah. But the tension is very much there. Like it was probably I was probably two or three years into college before I had like a, a I would say a black friend at Auburn because they just didn't the the groups didn't mingle yeah you know? they didn't they didn't uh, you know the the black people kind of hung out on the concourse in one place and the athletes and stuff and then it was like you know yeah the, the all, it's a very it's very different it, uh, it's very different um, shorthands uh, I heard Chris Rock say that one time I thought it was really interesting that racism isn't necessarily he didn't. He said when he went to SNL, it wasn't he didn't believe there was racism. What he did notice though was that, um, say like David Spade had a very, very easy shorthand with Lauren Michaels because they both were white and they knew how to talk to each other. Whereas yeah. he didn't have that same he didn't know that shorthand. Yeah, yeah. yeah I could see that. Um, Florida State was the same way. I remember one incident at Florida State, and I would say, I would say the I, w- I there I didn't necessarily see racism, but I did think there were racist things happening. But I don't think it was like it was like look, yeah, there wasn't I, like crosses being burnt on people's right yard. Or but I remember one time, and I would, and this is the one thing that I remember distinctly: two black guys um, pulled into uh, 
went up to pulled into the a party that we were having at the at Indian Village and where I lived in Indian Village was like strip it was like all townhouses and uh, and we were all hanging out and I, don't, I wasn't really involved with whatever the altercation was but apparently they got out and started a fight with some white guys like they went there to start a fight but it was all fucking white people there was maybe a thousand people floating around this party and on this street where we were definitely 150 uh, white people. And the white guy, the black guy said, uh, called the white guy a cracker. And the black guy said, that's right, I'm a cracker. You know why I'm a cracker? Because uh, we used to crack crack the whip on you and, and said oh, the N-word. Shit. And said the N-word. Uh, that and guy better turn as soon as he said the N-word, I swear to you on my children... Every white person looked at him like, you're not one of us. Yeah. They were like, ooh. Even, well, I, I, I like, hope so. Every white person. But it was so funny because the black guy was like, fuck you, cracker. I'll come and kill you. I'll shoot you. Yeah. And then and so now automatically these guys came in and started a fight at our party. And you're almost on the the white guy's side. Then the white guy drops the word. You're like, yeah, I'm on the black guy's yeah. side. Yeah. I hope he beats your ass. And, but then everyone, the party scattered. They're like, they're driving by. They're going to shoot us all. So we all just disappeared in our houses. But, uh, but I'll never forget that. That guy dropped the n word and associated with cracker and and it it literally sucked the air out of the room and no one was on that white kid's white kid's team i don't even know that fucking white kid i know what building he lived in i never i looked at that place like it was like the fucking hall of shame i was like he lived at the very very far end of the street and i looked at that place like fuck that guy but yeah i don't know tallahassee was very um segregated also because we had famu and then we had oh yeah florida state yeah, it's just I don't know, man. It's eye opening when you travel, you know, and you just see that the that there's you just expect it's going to be like what you're used to, you know. Or you have or you have set up ideas of what it'll be like. I remember doing a show in Milwaukee, thinking Milwaukee was all white people. Milwaukee is the most diverse city in that area mm-hmm. because, and this was explained to me by them, they have very liberal laws. So a lot of the people that are on welfare moved up to Milwaukee to uh, acquire the benefits. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if this has to do with anything what we're talking about, but you reminded me of a story for some reason. Wait, what story? So I was um, when I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, I was probably in junior high, right? Yeah. Maybe. And uh, the Heat used to play in um, at the Miami Arena back then, which was in Overtown, which is you know where all the riots were back in the eighties and yeah. stuff. Like, a very very rough part of Miami. And we would. Uh, my mom would drop us off at the Metro Rail Station, and we would drive it down, uh, ride down to the game. And uh, I somehow scored floor seat tickets, right? And uh, and I brought a buddy with me, and my buddy and I are sitting on the floor, right? And on the same row as us is uh, Uncle Luke from Two Live Crew. Shut up. He's a big Heat fan, especially yeah. back then. You know, he would go to all the games and everything. And he's sitting there, and he had like four or five guys with him. They're all like, you know, like his posse members or whatever, you know? Yeah. And uh, I'm sitting there, and, and, and I always had that mentality of like, oh, here's an opportunity for a moment, you know? So I'm like, hey, dude, we got to say something, man. We got to say something, you know? My buddy's like, what are you going to say? It's Uncle Luke, you know? Like, it's Luke Skywalker. What are you going to do? Yeah. And I go, all right, watch this. And it, like, I waited for like a quiet point, and I stood up, and I go, yo, Luke, put me in one of your videos, man. And I started dancing. Like, like, uh, like what I thought at the time was like hip, like rap music video dancing, you know? Yeah, for those of you listening, and, Dave could not be whiter. You know, I'm such a white-looking guy. So I thought, um, I in my head the reaction was gonna be like, "Look at this crazy white boy! Like, come here, man. What's your name? You know, yeah. like, yeah, man, you got to do some stuff with us, you know." <laughs> but what I got from him was, I heard him look at this guy and just go, "What that little boy just said to me?" Like, you know, <laughs> five of them stared at me. I think they thought I was like, 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 
saying something racist or picking on oh. him or trying to incite him. Yeah. Like making fun of him, you know? And my buddy, we're, we're you know, we're scared shitless. We're in eighth grade <laughs> or something. My buddy and I go, let's go get a Coke. Okay. Yeah. We just like, dip out the back. I've, so. I saw Uncle Luke at uh, doing trip flip. We were oh, having, yeah. we were having oh, dinner. He's still around, man. We, yeah. we, did, we were in South, in South Beach. We were having dinner with uh, Emilio Estefan. Yeah. And oh, man. You could not have hit two more like Miami staple names than Emilio Estefan he, and Uncle Luke. Emilio Estefan was one of the funnest fucking guys. He, what, I just read an article on them, man. What interesting people, man. Him and Gloria Estefan are. He really, he was so, it, he was so much fun to be around. Like he we he stayed out out and drank with us and like and Gloria apparently had watched uh, Birth of Conqueror uh-huh. and was a fan of Birth of Conqueror so he was like and then he was like gave me his card he goes when you get back in town call us we'll all go out to eat uh, well, I love to I'd come to your show I was like holy shit but in the middle of dinner Uncle Luke walks up like just walks into the same restaurant we're at Emilio Estefan's restaurant in Miami yeah. uh, it's not Vizcaya what is it called. Uh, uh, I don't know where was it uh, it's on in, on South Beach on the Strip. Uh, Lincoln Road? Yeah, I don't I'm, I don't remember. But it, Uncle Luke walks up and I'm like, "Uncle Luke." Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, "Hey, I go, hey. "Oh, me so horny." Yeah. <laughs> oh, me so horny. Dude, I remember when that came me out. Love you a long time. What's what's the um the, you know what song was stuck in my head last night? All yes, yesterday. Dun na na dun 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 na na dun dun na. Ah, ah. Oh, now put it in the book. You really committed to that facial expression. Oh. Ah, that's awkward. <laughs> so yeah, I, but we saw Uncle Luke. I was like, Uncle Luke. And then I came over and I introduced my two travelers to Uncle Luke. And he was like, hi, how's everyone doing? Amelia, good to see you. And then they went in and went and had drinks. Yeah. And, and then the word, the best was I got to go to a PA and go, hey, go get them to sign a release. <laughs> PA's right. like, what? Uh-huh. I'm not going over to Uncle Luke's table and get, asking if they'll all sign a release. And he signed a release. He was a nice guy. What? Well, that's still one of um. Like, you know, I'm 35 now, and still, if I say something stupid in front of my friends, my friends immediately fire back with, Uncle Luke, look at me. Like, you know, that was from eighth grade. Like, those things you just never live down, you know? <laughs> oh, I fucking love Miami. Yeah, man, it's a good place. I didn't to like it when I was a kid. It gets a bad rap these days, dude. Like, uh, Florida people, gets a bad rap. Yeah, people people want to hate on Florida a lot, man. The comedy scene and just the state in general. And we, we've done a lot of things to deserve it. You know, we've had our. Uh, Unnecessary uh, baby murders and and uh, you know Zimmermans and voting you know mishaps, but you know if if you're gonna have great things, there's gonna be negative things too. You know. Wait, what are our great things? Uh, the the weather, the beaches, <laughs> the beautiful women. He didn't do that though. <laughs> that the weather it's paradise, Bert. <laughs> oh, I fucking sure you had your occasional hurricane that destroyed your life. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, hurricane the one in in ninety one. A- Andrew ninety. I remember Andrew. Uh, I remember oh, dude. changed my life, man. Really? Crazy. Yeah, I mean everybody who went through that. Really? Yeah, man. It was a life changing experience, man. It was the first time you realized, first of all, that wow, there's shit. To f- you don't feel invincible anymore. You know, when you're a kid, you feel. Like yeah. Nothing could ever hurt you. You're like, dude, that shit could have wiped us out. You know? Really? Do you, did you guys stay? And yeah, we stayed. And uh, I was I went to bed. We did all our preparations and everything. And there was like a couple like small hurricanes. Wait, set the scene. How old are you? I'm about to go into ninth grade. We were about to start ninth ninth grade in like a week later, right? Okay. So it's like the last week of summer. Yeah. And uh, 
we'd had a hurricane scare like two years earlier, and it was just a bad thunderstorm. So in my head, I was thinking that's what it was going to be like. Like, all right, it's going to be a bad storm. Yeah. Every hurricane I ever had, you take all the pool furniture, throw it in the pool, exactly, and then everyone just chills out. Maybe you lose power, and but basically the pool floods into the lake. The lake floods up into the yard. Yeah, uh, maybe some, a small tree falls. Over. All the trees get basically get cleaned. All yeah. the like all the loose branches come down, and that's it. Basically, you take your maybe you take your car to a parking garage. Worst case scenario, but that's it. Exactly. So I was kind of bracing for that, and we you know we done did all those things. We put duct tape on the windows from corner to corner to make an X, yeah. so to keep it from shattering. Apparently, which was a joke. Really? Because it's like, oh, yeah, all right. Our window's not going to shatter, but the wall's going to be gone, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we literally, I remember this. We duct taped um, rafts, like pool rafts, to the um, sliding glass windows, thinking that might help, like, if, if uh, something, if some debris hit the window. That'll but, stop the. Yeah, stop but the raft all. was gone literally like the first two minutes of the storm. Like, you know? You duct tape rafts to the outside, yeah. almost as like beer koozies. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it was intelligent. Okay. So um, so I went to bed because the storm wasn't supposed to hit till the middle of the night. And, you know, we've been working all day, getting everything, you know, ready. And my dad comes to my room and he goes, Dave, get up. It's here. And it was like the middle of the night, you know. And I said, so wake up and I'm still a little groggy. And I walk out of my room. It was like a movie. I wasn't out of my doorway two seconds. And I heard every window in my bedroom break. Like just behind me. It was like, chink, 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 you know. Are you serious? So then the lights were out. Obviously, the power was off. So we had made this the dining room our home base, and all of our matches and our lanterns and, and everything was in the dining room. My two grandmothers were at my house with us. So we go into the dining room because the dining room only had one window on it. and that It's window, you, your mom, your dad. And my two grandmas and our two dogs. No brothers, sisters? <laughs> no, I'm an only child. Are you really? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so and the only window in that room uh, is enclosed by a porch. So there's a pretty safe room, you know? We're not in that room for five minutes, and my neighbor's um, roof peeled off, and a beam from their roof speared our roof, and water just came pouring through the ceiling in that room, like just like a skylight, you know? So now we, you know, go running into my parents' bedroom and, um, and close the door, and my mom had just redone our house like two weeks earlier. Like, she just got all new furniture and new carpet oh, and everything. Shit. And so earlier that day, she's like, take your shoes off. You're in the, you know, it's on my new carpet. Now, in the heat of battle, my mom's like got the chainsaw. She's like, let's chop up this table and put up that door. Like, you Are know? you serious? Yeah. So we, um, so we just basically, we held a, a piece of plywood up against the, the bedroom window, which had already broken. Um, and then uh, my dad just kind of pushed some stuff up against the, um, the, the bedroom door. And we just waited it out there all night long. And the one thing I remember is that we had an attic door, and the attic door just kind of would like just sit, and like gravity would hold it in place, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the hallway. And I could hear it; it was like the house was breathing from the wind going through the the roof, you know, yeah. like the attic space and everything. And you would like it would like the house would, the, the the door would go like up and down like a couple inches. It would go like, and then all of a sudden it would go. And it would like fly up out of nowhere, like a ghost picked it up. Yeah. And then it would just slam back down right into place. Boom. Like that. It would just keep doing that. Like the house was breathing, you know? Holy shit. And then uh, and then the eye of the storm comes and you can peek out a little bit, but you better not get caught outside because the second half of the storm. Sweet. So how long does it you how long is it from you waking up till the eye shows up? A couple hours. A couple, couple hours, hours of, of I mean it depends on the storm. Put, put it know. in perspective, uh fear level at a 
Um, I was pretty scared, man. I mean, you're in ninth grade, so it can be I was odd. also a little fearless. Like, I think it was an adventure at the same time. Yeah. I think I got more scared after the whole thing was over. Um, and I walked outside and realized this is going to affect my life, man. Like, you can't call your friends. You can't drive over to someone's house to see if they're okay. I mean, just the streets were so flooded and, and uh, trees were covering everything. And every single power line was down. And uh, it was we, they pushed school back for like two weeks. So it was three weeks that we didn't have to go to school or whatever from then. And every day you just became like a, a laborer at that point. You'd get up in the morning and you'd help your dad. And he'd hire a couple of guys. Everyone came driving down to get work. Yeah. And you would just clean. It was like raking your yard, only it took two weeks to do it. You know? So where do you put in the stuff that you're finding? Like, how, how bad was your house? My house, I mean, so we had that roof issue. We had that patched pretty quickly. And then besides that, it was livable. It was very livable, you know? Yeah. But um, you don't have power. So you have, you have um, generators. So we had a whole freezer full of, uh, it was the end of summer. We're big boaters. So we had a whole freezer full of lobsters and fish. And then, you know, of course, some steaks and stuff. My dad's a big steak eater. Yeah. So that shit's going to go bad if you don't eat it. So, like, our neighbors are eating, like, beanie weenies. And we're, like, we got the, the camping stove out in the backyard boiling pots and cooking lobsters, you know? Shut <laughs> up. So so we ate well. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, like, my room, my room was, like, uh, all jacked up from the wind going through it and getting wet. But it's not, like... My room was gone or anything like. You know. And were your na- how were your neighbors' houses? Like obviously the one. Yeah, some of them were some of them were bad, but my neighborhood in comparison, like so we lived on a lake, so like the the wind for the most part hit the front of our house, but then like the people on the other side of the lake, the wind went across the lake and then hit them in the back of their house where their sliding glass door was, uh-huh. so like that like gutted some of their houses, but other people's houses like over close to the ocean or down in Homestead, their houses were just gone. Like my cousin's house, she was a little girl at the time. She was probably like a four-year-old girl, you know. And um, and they were in their bathtub with a mattress holding it over them, you know. And and the whole house was just gone, like a tornado, just like wiped it out, kind of thing. They were in the fucking bathtub. Yeah, her, her dad, and her mom. Yeah, and and and, uh, and so they came and stayed at our house. We had a lot of people living on our, you know, in our living room on, on air mattresses for a while. Are you seeing like parents crying stuff? Yeah, and like the little girl. Um, you know, she had nightmares for years. You know, my cousin did. She she was she wet the bed for like you know two years after that because she had nightmares about the storm and really. So I would say that it's more scary and for someone like that like that, or probably even for like my dad who like spent his like you know his life building the house, you know, saving money to buy a house. And for me, I'm just a kid. It's like all right, I got three two weeks off school and yeah. there's some awesome puddles to play in. You know, yeah. I got drunk for the first time uh, that that week because we had a sleepover on my buddy's. Um, who lived on my lake, we had a sleepover on his dock because there were some guys who were in town from, like, Louisiana who came down to try to get work. Yeah. So his dad had paid them to, to clean their house up, basically. So they were living in sleeping bags on his dock underneath their, like, gazebo. Yeah. So we went there, and those people gave us vodka. So we put vodka in, um, in um, uh, Gatorade, and we're drinking vodka in Gatorade. And then that dude had a gun, too. And he's like, yeah, you guys want to play with my gun? And we're like, sure. <laughs> so this guy gave us a gun. <laughs> my recipe for disaster. This sounds like a Matthew McConaughey movie. Yeah. Mud. He's yeah. living in your backyard. Yeah. Escape from some crime. Gives you guys vodka and gun. suburbs. You guys want to play Tickle Tickle Ouch? <laughs> So me and my two buddies, we go out on my we, we take my buddy's boat out now. Now we're drunk and we have a gun, right? Yeah. And uh and we go out the middle of the lake and there was a slalom course set up with buoys. So we're shooting buoys with the gun, 
right? <laughs> and um, and then we decide there was a couple girls that were spending the night at one of our friends' house over on the lake. So we drive over there in the middle of the night. We try to go, you know, get some some uh, ninth grade tail. Yeah. And so we sneak up to the house and we knock on their window. And this girl was so such a ditz. I remember. I still remember a lot of the dumb stuff she did, but. So she goes to walk out to like open the door and like come out and hang out with us. Yeah, she's sneaking through her house and she trips over a suitcase or something, and makes a loud boom. Yeah. So she goes back and pretends like she's asleep because her dad gets up to see what's going on. And now there were looters everywhere, right? Yeah. We jump into the bushes, right? So we're hiding in the oh bushes. Oh my god, you guys have a gun, vodka. <laughs> yeah, her dad's got a gun walking around his house. And then uh, the next day they found out it was us. You know, I guess maybe he saw our boat or something while yeah. he was walking around. Called my mom. It was, the, it was probably the most trouble I'd ever gotten into in my life because the dude could have literally shot us just thinking we were looters. Probably would have shot you. I mean, it was martial law, you know, for a little while. So that's, man, that's insane. You know, I remember that when that happened, um, there was a, uh, we had just, I, I want to say this, I want to say this happened at the beginning of the school year for like, like we had just rushed pledges. Okay. So you're in college. In college and people uh, left, dropped out of school to go home. To help their family, and a yeah, lot of people yeah. dropped out of school to go help because there was like a huge rescue effort down there. Of I remember them bringing ice. I think was that right? Ice was yeah, because no one had refrigeration or anything. So if you wanted to keep milk cold for babies or anything like that, you needed coolers with ice. You know? Yeah. That I, that's so funny because I I mean growing up in Tampa, we never really had any Hurricane Elena was the one that hit us. But like I said, I mean it didn't really hit us. Like yeah. It, we threw the pool furniture in, some trees fell down, but not fell down, and uh, and you had a couple of days off from school, and, and then in college, there was my, I would say a 90, uh, probably 96, 96 or 90, probably 96, there was, that fall, there was a, uh, there was a hurricane that came through Tallahassee, and uh, and we had a hurricane party. Mm-hmm. And it was like that was like the fucking best. We're like hurricane party, yeah, yeah, and that you basically thing, yeah, no, it was like Thanksgiving. No one was on the road, like you could just drive at any speed because no one was out. Yeah, and the light, maybe the lights would go off, and you'd have candles and play board games and get drunk, and it'd be fun. You know? I stayed at Nikki. I wish I could remember her last name's house. I her, her last name. This girl I was dating. She was slamming hot. My chick had just cheated on me, and I didn't know what I was doing. And I started oh. dating this fucking nineteen-year-old dime i mean she was so hot i was like 22 she was so hot she was beautiful i remember one morning she i hope to god no one married her that knows me and is now talking about their <laughs> wife i know that uh I hope god damn it i hope to god they didn't she was gorgeous and i remember one morning she got up naked and walked to the bathroom and i saw her body and i was like i can't believe yeah. that that is in bed with me yeah. <laughs> i was like god you can't believe you cheated on me you fucking dumb bitch this because this girl was so hot she was so much fucking fun god i wish i could remember her last name she what? was fun too because she just partied you want to hear a crazy story about this girl of course so she um got not to take away i want to talk more about this hurricane but she came, came to that same uh same came to my uh uh saturday party at florida state football game she comes to my townhouse in indian village and comes up and says i want you to come back with me and we're having a huge party and i was like i was like not about to fall in love with anyone because i was like i'm not i'm I'm gonna stay away from love for a while and i was like i'm kind of having a party she's like no it would be cool if you hung out with me and i was like i was like i'm kind of having a good time she loves smoking weed too she's a big pothead she was like come on we're gonna go back to my house we're gonna get high and i was like i'm i'm cool I want to hang out with my friends. I appreciate it. She goes, she looks at me like real desperate. Like, I can't tell you why this will be so much fun, yeah. but you will 
not regret it. And I'm like, eh, I don't care about getting laid or whatever. Like I didn't. I was like, whatever. I was like, I'm hanging out with my friends. She's like, okay, and left. And then I I called her like that night. She didn't answer her phone, and I was like, eh, I guess I'll talk to her later. And so then like the next day, she calls and she was like. God, it's like a, that old David Tell joke. You should have hung out, yeah, man. Should have been there. She should have been there. And I was like, really? She's like, yeah. Uh, Adam Sandler came to my house. Oh, this is when he was like, I think he was on SNL. Uh, I'm sure he was on SNL. I'm sure he was on SNL. But he was doing a tour where he would play like any. I think he, it was probably Homecoming. I think he played for our school. Yeah, and played a fucking. Could have been your Uncle Luke story. And Adam Sandler hung out at her house, and they smoked weed with him all night, and they all fucking partied. And I, th- I think Adam Sandler fucked her, but uh, but it was like I was like, shut the fuck up. So, and then I thought to myself, if I ever get to meet Adam Sandler, this was my like 1997, intro, yeah, 1997, 80, 97 thing was I'd be like, hey, remember that girl Nikki fucked? I me, me yeah. I dated her. Could I? Could've. I was dating her. Yeah. I was dating her while you were fucking. You're her. welcome. You're welcome. I didn't show up, <laughs> but I never ran into Adam Sandler since. So, um, but yeah, but I do remember those hurricanes, man. It's yeah. so funny. I and felt. I, her, go I, ahead. I moved my wife to. So when I moved her to Miami, um, the first summer that she lived there, we lived in a little townhouse, and there was like four hurricanes came through. None of them were bad. Now, know? did you? Did, were you gun shy from hurricanes? Were you like? Like, holy shit. No, it didn't bother me, man. For me, it was, I mean, it was just a, a nothing was ever going to be worse than Andrew, you know? So he felt like he could handle anything at that point. It was just a pain in the ass because everything stopped for like three days. You had to watch TV. You had to see whether it was coming or not coming. Yeah. And at the dealership, we had to move all the cars inside. And you don't want to do that until you're absolutely sure it's coming, you know? Yeah. And then, when it, and then you know, your employees, you got to let them obviously go take care of their families and their houses and you got to put shutters up and it's like it's such a process you're like you're like I do not want to put shutters up if this it's like if you if you go through the trouble of putting your shutters up you almost want it to hit at that point you know yeah. like it's such a pain in the ass to to put those up you know no um that was Andrew did that did you watch uh Katrina and have a different st- type of empathy than the average person that saw Katrina go down. I don't know, man. I think a lot of people had a pretty severe amount of empathy for that. But yeah, but I don't think a lot of people I, I really see- understood what was happening. Yeah, up I mean, until like up until you started seeing like the documentaries on it yeah. or the movie on it, and you were like, "Whoa, I'm sorry, they were trapped in their roof, and there yeah. were snakes crawling up in the roof because that's where the animals were looking for high ground." Like, yeah, yeah. I don't think people. I think I mean, people they certainly had a way worse than we did. That's for sure. Yeah, and it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I certainly felt bad for them if that's what you're asking. No, but well, no, I but like, I mean, pussies, I've been through that. No, 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 no. I meant, I meant. Did you feel like, like I think the majority of like probably Wisconsin, not to put Wisconsin on the spot twice today, but the majority of Wisconsin probably was like, I didn't know what a hurricane really does. They're like, yeah. what a little flooding and some wind, exactly. as opposed to like in a fucking bathtub with a with a mattress over your head. Yeah. I mean, I still think a tornado. I've only been around a tornado once in my life. And I think that that would probably be worse. Yeah, but the, if you had but to the pick, hurricane lasts a lot longer, and um, and covers more area. You know, if you had to pick one natural disaster to live with, what would it be? I mean, I guess maybe earthquakes because those are pretty minor, right out here. I'm going, but I haven't been through one yet. I'm I haven't been through a big it. one. Well, I've I'm a little worried about it. There was one the other day uh, that shook, and I came running out, and I was like, girls, did you feel the earthquake? And George and I are like, that was our first earthquake? I was like, no, you've, there have yeah. been a few. But I felt the tremor. A lot of people have t- said that to me, and I haven't felt one at all. Everyone's been like, oh, did you feel that 
I think it's because I was in the RV at the time and just everything felt like a minor earthquake. <laughs> yeah. Just walking around. I've never been in a big earthquake. I've been in some where I was like, uh-oh. Like, I remember one time I was jacking off and an earthquake started. <laughs> and uh, and I was I was literally mid and I felt it and I stopped. Oh, right as you orgasm. No, I great. stopped it right, like stopped and I was holding my dick. Yeah. And, and I'm like, is trembling, trembling? And then it stops and I went. And I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, can't hold me down, the, God. The TV falls off the shelf, kills you, bashes yeah. your brain in, and they find you with your dick in your hand and oh. a tissue in the other. I lived in this this big house up in the hills that this French lady owned, and there was a mirror above my head. And if I felt anything, I rolled out of that bed because yeah. all I was thinking is, I'm going to get fucking decapitated like an Shattered. asshole, especially at a French person's house. That's where you get decapitated. <laughs> Really? There's the irony of, in that. Of, that's that's what heads they, go rolling at the, people's houses. They're the ones that started decapitations. Uh, all right. Didn't they? I don't sure. Uh, what was the name of that? What's the name of that thing? The, the guillotine. The, that's, the guillotine. Yeah. It that sounds very French. French yeah, very yeah, French. Very French. Yeah. Um, all right. They, I rem- it was invented to chop up croissants, right? Yeah. I just remembered, <laughs> by the way, what we talked about on that podcast that was, I was like, this is a fucking genius what was it? idea. What? Dave worked at a car dealership for how long? Uh, well, my my fa- I've been around them my whole life. My family, my my dad and my uncle are partners in in uh, some stores. So, how is for everyone listening? Yeah. What's the best way to buy a car? Like, what is the what is your expert advice on either a buying versus leasing? Like, because I, I remember we talked about this because I, I think I was going through that all the time, and I can't remember what you said. But we'll put it here for everyone listening who's like, I'm like, do you buy used? Is buying used better than buying new? What's your opinion? Um, well, I mean, it completely <laughs> depends. And I'll try to answer it without making the podcast get boring talking car talk. But no, uh, I, I think, think that I think days- things like this, things like this are are. Uh, should be a TV show. I know. I know that I had a friend one time who wanted to do a show about things. But like, you, well, I never I have a new pitch for you. What's that? All right. So you know, I, I'm a big fan of Bar Rescue on Spike, mm-hmm. and now they have, and now they have Tattoo Rescue. Yeah, I want to do Dealership Rescue. That's great. I think me and my my uh, my dad's partner. He's like the, got a great personality for it. Yeah, Sharon Levy, show. if you're listening. So, anyways, we'll talk. This about could be a later. show. I, I well, I'll tell you what. I know Eric Major's listening. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, Eric, t- talk right. to me. Well, I'll talk to you in Idaho. You can this will be up. Bert. Tell me what you think, and uh, we'll talk about it later. All right. So, but these days, I think that um, the number one thing you should do is shop online. Uh, in the 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 car industry, like ten or fifteen years ago, they were all saying like, "Oh, online shopping is going to change the car industry. There's not going to be a need for car salesmen." There's always going to be a need for car salesmen. Nothing replaces the emotion of going in and. Uh, test taking your test drive and actually touching the car because it's yeah. a giant purchase. You know, it'd be like buying your house online and never seeing it. You know, yeah. But people are much more informed when they come in. Before they would come in not know shit about this model versus that model or the packages. Now when people come in, they know what what the packages are and what it should cost. You yeah. Know? So you should always go online and look um, first. You know, and then I also think that. Well, you, now you can email or, or fill out in, inquiries too, and go through whole pricing too online. And you're normally going to get your best price right out the gate from an uh, an internet manager because they just want to they want to get you there. They they got nothing if you're not there, and they know that you're shopping with four other people, yeah, uh, or dealerships. Because nowadays you would have an advantage if you had a good location. 
Nowadays, fuck that, man. If, if it'll save you money, people will drive to San Diego to get a car because they know that on the computer tells them that you got that exact color and will give them the price they want, you know? We drove up to fucking almost Valencia to get our uh, our Ford. Yeah, man. Yeah, you, you won't... You're not going to go to a place just because it's down the road, you know? Yeah, our midnight midnight expedition. Yeah. Sparkle paint. Exactly. As the girls call it. Oh, it's got sparkle paint. Ooh. I was like, that's right. It looks badass. Yeah. Like <laughs> a vampire's skin. So, so. So so I think that you can do a lot of that legwork before you go in. And then when you go in, just don't be a dick to the car salesman. Because I had so many people that, like, I was an honest, <laughs> hardworking guy. Of course, we want to make money on the car. But we also want you to be happy and get a good deal, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, car salesmen get such a bad rap. You have so many people that come in with this attitude of, I'm not buying today. Like, not not hello. Hey, man, can you help yeah. me out? Not going to buy a car today. Yeah. Because that immediately in my head, I go, we'll see. <laughs> now it's a challenge, you know? <laughs> and then the other thing they would always do is like, this is my Uncle Lenny. He's bought a lot of cars, so he's an expert. Yeah. Oh, yeah? That's like someone being like, I've been to a lot of comedy shows. I know comedy, and that's not funny. You're like, I do comedy. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so then when people are dicks, then you're like, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want you to get a good deal now, you know? Yeah. Like, so, so just be nice to your car salesman, man. Build a relationship. And if you feel like the guy is skeezy, then go to another guy, you know? Yeah. Like it's it's a big deal. Like I, you should build a relationship with someone that you're about to spend twenty thousand dollars with. You know. Yeah. And the other thing too is that a lot of customers think that car dealerships make like ten grand on each car. You know. Can I guess? Sure. I was gonna say a car. They make five hundred dollars on a car. Like like the dealership. Yeah. On on how expensive of a car? Uh, I don't know. I'm trying. I, I I always figure that they don't make as much as we think. Yeah, you're right. But it's more than five hundred bucks. What is it? <laughs> so if you're gonna buy. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's loosely based. So I mean, but just to give you uh, an overall, if you're gonna buy like a thirty thousand dollar Cadillac, yeah, right, the dealership makes maybe a couple grand on it. Okay, you know, but there's a lot of things built into that, man. You know, you have dealer fees and um, and uh, you know whatever's true profit, and then so the the sales guy only gets commission off of the actual profit more or less you know oh so he's not and making he doesn't get commission off the price of the car well no he doesn't get he doesn't well i mean he does but it's it's whatever you make if if you lose money on the car he's going to get paid a flat for that he's not going to make so if the car costs the dealership 30,000 and you guys sell it for 28,000 and taking a 2 grand bath on it yeah the the um salesman's not going to get a a 5% commission off 28,000 bucks you know yeah he's going to get a you know, whatever it is, a 10% commission off of, you know, two grand that that profited on this one. They lost two grand. So he'll get like maybe a hundred dollar flat. That's interesting. So, so what, um, so do you, what do you think? I, I, we're trying to, we're going to go by, I have a friend. I'll tell you, I don't, I don't want to say his name, but I'll tell you who he is after, um, who, uh, helps comics buy cars. Oh, okay. He goes with people because he's like, I'm the guy who almost helps comics buy cars because everyone always asks me, but then nobody actually takes me up on going uh, with them. Why don't me and you go buy our next car? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you need me to, man. I'll I want to buy, I want to buy, my problem is I always want to spend more than Liam wants to spend. Yeah. And she's like, we can't afford that. And I'm like, no, we can. Well, this is the other thing too. That's the more importantly, I think a lot of people understand how to like try to get money off of a car and there's going to be money from the rebates from like the, the factory and whatever. And, and definitely if they have a good deal like that running, that's where you're going to save a lot of money. Really? Um, and then also getting a good trade in value for your trade in. Uh, is a good way to to get good value out of a car deal, you know. Yeah. So if you're trading a car in, go to CarMax first, have them appraise it, so you have an appraisal in your hand, and then you go to the dealership and you let them appraise it, 
And if it's more or around the same, then you trade it in because you get a tax break off that. They subtract the value of the trade in before they tax the, the purchase. Really? Yeah. So, so you'll make that money as opposed to just bringing in a check and using it as a down payment. And then um, the other thing is you go to your credit union and you, um, and you see what, what they'll give you. You know, Tell them, hey, I'm going to buy like a $30,000 car. What's basically the rate I'm going to get? You get pre-approved for 4%. So you get, if you get pre-approved first, I always get my approval through the uh, car dealership. Yeah. You get it the, so then you go in and the car dealership and when you say, what's the interest rate you guys are offering? And they say 6%. You go, oh, well, I'm already at 4%. So can you just send this to my credit union? And then you see the dealership's going to say, yeah, do that. That's a good deal for you. Yeah. Or they're going to say, well, Whoa, let me see. Maybe I could do 4%. Oh, okay. Because you know, they, they they're allowed to make up to two points usually on you. When's the best time of the year to buy a car? Uh, probably. Oh, man, it's been so long since I've, uh, since I've, I've been in the business and taken inventory in. But, yeah. Um, whenever the new models are going to come out. Just right then, you know, because they want to clean out, clean yeah, out the old ones, the old inventory. Obviously, the end of the month is usually a good time. Oh yeah, they're they're trying to make, uh, you know, they're they're making their quotes. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, we talked about this here, last time. Okay, so here's this. a good trick. Here's a good trick. Oh, this, there this, we go. This might be what, what I told you last time because I saw a customer do this and I was like, I was like, I'll be damned. That's a good idea. So normally, when we get a new sales guy, we want him to do well. First of all, <laughs> he's not on commission yet. He usually takes flats for the first month because yeah. he think he's going to sell a lot of cars. So, um, so he's on a guarantee and you want to pump his, you want him to like selling cars. So you want him to, to, you know, have a good month. So a manager might be more likely to, uh, to give a good deal because the guy's screwing the deal up the whole way anyways, you know? Yeah. So this guy, he called our dealership and he goes, Hey, he'd never been there before in his life. He goes, Hey, um, I, I was in there the other day and a salesman helped me out. I can't remember his name, but he's the new guy. Like he just started selling cars. And the and the secretary's yeah, like the secretary's like Tony and he's like yeah is that the guy who's like never sold cars before he just started and she's like yeah 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 that's Tony yeah yeah can I talk to him <laughs> and so she transferred him to Tony and then the guy had Tony on the phone he goes Tony I want to come look at a car can I make an appointment for today and he goes sure and so he went in <laughs> sure and then that guy just fucking no worked Tony for a great deal you know <laughs> so that was a good that was a good. Thing. Oh, that's genius. I want to call the Mercedes dealership and see if I can do that right now. I was just in there the other day, and uh, I was with the new guy, the guy that just started. What's his name? Yeah. Oh, Tony? Uh, yeah, Tony. <laughs> now, make sure you don't expect to get any product knowledge from that guy. You know, There's something to be said for, for getting the guy who's an old vet and can yeah. tell you everything about a car. But if you already know what car you want, you did the research online, you might as well get the guy you can bat around a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I just I remember that. That's fucking genius. Yeah. Um all right, what else should we talk about? We've uh talked about oh, we never told the dog story. The dog story. All right, I don't so I I'll preface this by I don't remember we were at Jimmy John's and I remember I was like, Yeah, I want to get a dog and Dave's like, Yeah, but you know, your wife you're on the road a lot, your wife's gonna be the one to watch it. Because you wanted a big dog specifically. I wanted yeah. a big dog. And by the way, all those precautionary tales have come up and they're fucking laying in my in my living room right now. Yeah. So wait, so tell the story about, tell the story. All right, so my wife, uh, all right, so there's, I'll start from the beginning. So there's uh, my, one of my best friends from high school growing up, right? Uh, he, uh, he had a, a black lab, and now my family, we always had yellow labs growing up too. My mom's very into like dogs being trained and, and you know, and, and, uh, and not jumping up on furniture and stuff like that. My mom's very good at training dogs. And so I would go over to my buddy's house, and he had this black lab that was like a mess. This dog was gigantic, and it would always, like, we'd be shooting pool or playing billiards, you know, and the dog would, like, jump up on the table and grab a pool ball and run, 
And uh, he would like grab a hat, like I got a brand new hat, you know, and he like grabbed off my head and be slobbering <laughs> on it. Literally one time we were over at his house doing a group project or something for school. And the dog, we went to go get like a, like a soda out of the fridge and came back. And the dog had eaten all of our homework, right? I literally had to go to high school and tell my teacher that my friend's dog ate my homework. You know? So I hated this dog. I right? have this visual of a dog sprawled out, you know, like legs yeah. angled out on a pool table with, a, with an eight ball just looking at people. Yeah. just yeah, And then like, darting off. Like fucking Marmaduke, right? Yeah. So, uh, so I, I, I never liked this dog. I was never very partial to this dog. So then uh, fast forward several years, my, my buddy's um, mom passed away from cancer, and uh, yeah, she was an awesome lady, and, and then her dad kind of went off the, his dad went off the deep end, right? So, um, so he calls me up one day, he lives in San Fran now, and he says, um, hey man, I don't know what to do, I'm really freaking out, he's like, uh, my, my, my dad's new mail, Russian mail order bride is the biggest bitch. And uh, she hates this dog. And my dad, you know, he doesn't have any relationship with his dad. And just, my dad just called me. I haven't talked to him in years. And he told me that he's to have someone come get the dog or he's going to throw him out in the street. And, um, you know, he's like, I, my, my sister lives in an apartment, so she can't, you know, she can't have dogs there. And I yeah. just don't know what to do. I'm like, all right, buddy, listen, I'll, I'll figure it out, right? So I go over on my lunch break and I pick the dog up and I bring it back to the dealership with me and I tie it up in the sales office. And this dog's like... You know, he's older now. He's like 11 years old, right? He's like 10 or 11. And the dog's like mellowed out, obviously, so much from when I was a kid. I haven't seen the dog in like five or six years, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and the dog obviously has not been taken care of. Like they've just been overfeeding him and he was fat and had all these lumps on his stomach, you know, growths. <laughs> and it's just his, he was just shedding all over the dealership. You know, his breath reeked. His dog was really, poor dog. That's such a rough life, you know? Yeah. And I just remember this dog having so much life when I was younger. So I bring it. I just proposed to my wife so we just started living together and uh we had never had a big fight i think about anything ever right yeah and i bring this fucking dog home i hadn't i didn't tell her anything right this is my first lesson in like being (laughs) sharing a life with somebody that you have to like share decisions whatever yeah so i bring this dog home from work i come home to work like nine o'clock at night and i have this, this mangy dog in tow my wife's like what is that (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, and my wife's not necessarily a dog person, but this really made her not a dog person. I go, this is Bogey. I go, I told Scott, I go, Bogey. The dog is yeah. named after a failure. Yeah, the dog is yeah. named after a failure. That's pretty funny. I never thought of that. This is double Bogey. Yeah. <laughs> this is Scratch. Not quite par. Bogey. Not quite par. So I read the doggo. And my wife's like, are you serious? I'm like, babe, it's just for the weekend. This is you know? false start. False yeah. start. <laughs> this is disqualification. I can do this all fucking day. Hey, foul ball. Foul ball. Foul ball. <laughs> so, so I'm like, babe, it's just for the weekend. It's not a big deal. She's like, you should... You know, tell me before you adopt a dog to live in our place, you know? And I'm like, babe, it's just, I, what was I supposed to do? Yeah, so, all right. So then we, we make it to the weekend, and then I'm It's like, 11 years old. How it's long? 11 years yeah. old. That's what, I, I, that's what I'm thinking. Now I'm attached to the dog, right? Now I'm yeah. completely attached to the dog after the weekend, and there's, nobody is going to adopt an 11-year-old mangy dog, like, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, and so I, I, I just sat down there. I go, listen, you're not going to be happy, but I want to keep the dog. And she's like, no, absolutely not. She's like, you know, maybe if you'd even talked to me about it before, but you're just going to bring this dog home with me. And I knew it wasn't going to be for the weekend. You're putting me together, you know? And I'm like, no, 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 babe. I'm like, just, I'm going to listen. I just want to give the dog a good life. 
I, he's 11. I had yellow labs my whole life. I go, they usually die at around 12. Big dogs don't live that long. Yeah. I go, he's going to live for like six months. Let's just do a nice thing and let the dog have it. He's know? got lumps all over his stomach. His yeah, hair is like, falling out. Yeah, we don't, we don't have kids. It's like, you know, that fucking dog lived <laughs> to be 16. <laughs> that dog <laughs> never died. We would come home sometime. Oh, I and, remember that. And she, so like, she would get really upset. Like, fucking five years. Yeah. So, like, you know, we were on our honeymoon, and my buddy had to stay at our house and watch it, and the dog, like, just, oh. like, ruined everything. Like, you know, it was just, it was, every time I turned, it was like a sitcom, like, oh. me and the dog, me and Bogey, like, you know? And I can't tell you how many times we came home and thought the dog was dead, like, literally, like, we're making arrangements to, like, carry it and, like, wrap it up, and then all of a sudden, he would <laughs> wake up, you know? Just in a deep sleep, because he was deaf, basically, you know? His dog. Ah, honey, Bogey's finally dead. Yeah. <laughs> Someone say my name. <laughs> Four. And, you know, like when you first get married, like a lot of guys have like a secret bank account where like they they don't let their their wives know about it because they want to go to strip clubs or they you know they're still doing shit that they don't want their wives yeah. to know about. I literally kept my bank account for the sole reason of paying vet bills for this dog because I knew. But if my wife knew how much money I was spending keeping this dog alive, she would kill it herself, right? Oh. And, uh, and so one time we, I had a giant bag of dog food, like a giant bag of dog food that I left. I forgot to put the top back on it. Yeah. And he went out there. This dog just loved to eat, right? Yeah. He ate like half the fucking bag of dog food. And then I didn't realize it. And this little bitch, I fed him that night. And he still tried to eat the food after eating all day out of this bag of dog food. So he tried to eat it. So I took him for a walk like the next morning, and he shit so much shit. It was like I was like, "Oh my god! Like, how can you have that much shit inside of you?" And I went back and I looked at the the bag of dog food, and I realized, "Like, oh my god, you ate like half that fucking forty pound." So I took him to the vet, and the vet's like, "Yeah, his like liver is overactive, trying to deal with this and everything." And now I'm a car guy, but these vets put you together. Oh. Like and it's not like a car. You can be like, all right, I'll park it and I'll take it. But a dog, you're like, I can't let my dog die. Like, what are you yeah. gonna say? No, we'll put that off till the next oil change. You yeah, know? you have to fucking do it. You know, dude, they've bent us over backwards at our fucking. Not, I mean, they're they're good people. I'm not yeah. shitting on my vet, but dude, fucking plasma treatments, no. yeah. electrolysis. You can't be like, do you have a treatment that might be a, a little bit painful for the dog? Yeah, cost less. Like, we can do two ACL surgeries. Yeah. One's okay, but one's better. Which one yeah. do you want? Oh, take the okay one. Yeah. See, so you gotta do it again. So this dog was on an IV for three days at the vet's house or vet's uh, office because it ate too much dog food. It ate a whole. We left the bowl of candy out for trick or treaters one year, uh. and it ate the candy. And he was shitting Snicker wrappers. And so then, after six years, now we have a kid. We have a two-year-old son at this point. Like you know, the dog's still alive. We're, we like bought a new house. The dog's yeah. in the new house with us and everything. And in uh, the fucking. I come home one night, one day, and uh, we're having a dinner party, and it's the first dinner party that we have um, after having our first kid. Like, you know, we hadn't like really done anything social for like a year or two. You just know? friends or work people? Well, it was stressful for Christy because it was friends, but it wasn't like our best friends. We had this like little like uh, wine group that we were in, and so you, it was like basically like a drinking game with wine. Yeah. And uh, and and you would cook dinner, and you have you would host the dinner party, you know. Yeah. So Christy was already stressed out. She might have been pregnant with the second kid. No, I don't think so, because we wouldn't have been having a wine thing. I don't know, maybe. Anyway, <laughs> she was stressed out. She wasn't happy, you know, dealing with all this stuff, you know. So I I ended up getting stuck at work late that day too. So I get home, 
I wasn't there to help her all day. And I get home, she's cooking and everything. And I go, hey, did you feed? And she's, you know, she's being really great about it. And I'm like, hey, did you feed Bogey? And she's like, no. She's like, normally he comes over and lets me know when he's hungry, but I haven't seen him, you know? And I'm like, all right, babe, let me just take care of Bogey. And then I'll help. I know you're stressed out and I'll, I'll help you get ready for the other people to be here in like 30 minutes, you know? I open the garage door and the dog's like having a stroke. And I'm like, oh, fuck. It was like, Bogey was like, well, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out. I'm going the out. The least possible, most convenient time possible. I'm going to leave this family like I entered it, right? I'm going out, big bitches, cancel the party. Yeah. Someone get a so, sitter. It's not like the dog was already dead or I could put a sheet over him and be yeah. like, I'll deal with it after the party. You know? It's having a stroke yeah. just like, it's it's like over suffering. and over. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So I go back in and I was like, I don't know how to tell you this, but the dog's dying. I gotta go take care of it. <laughs> dying or dead? <laughs> nah, he, he was he was not dead. He was, oh. but he was. I mean, I knew there was no coming back from it. Like, yeah. you know, like he had that look in his eye. And he looked at me and I'm like, oh, this is the end, buddy. You know, he's 16. You know, <laughs> he's 16. Well, 16. So I took him over to the. Um, I took him over to the, like. The, there was like a like I guess the equivalent of a animal urgent care. You know. Yeah. And, oh, we've uh, been there. Yeah, and they uh, so you know the, we went through all the scenarios, and I was like, let's just put him asleep. It's the humane thing to do right now, you know. Yeah. So I sat there, and I even if I rushed back to the party, like I'm a mess, you know. I'm like crying. I'm holding my dog. I'm you yeah. know. I sat there, and you know, and then once they once they put him to sleep, normally they like pee all over the table, and so I'm like sitting there like hugging my pee stained dog, like you know, I like, can't yeah. believe this is the end, you know. And then they come in, and they're like, well, we can. Uh, throw it in a dumpster for five bucks, or for three hundred dollars, you can cremate it for you. You know, so I I, I had it cremated, you know, and uh, and I came back, and then every, the, everyone's there at the party, and Christy obviously told him where I was, and then so now like it was just a complete damper on the party. Like, oh, like, you know, oh, he was a good dog. He was a good dog. You know. And uh, my wife was very supportive about it. She knew I was upset and everything. We we moved on from it and everything. But then, like, a year later, she found Bogey's ashes that I had been hiding in my desk drawer, basically. <laughs> and it had a receipt on it for how much I paid to have the dog fucking cremated. She's like, you paid how much to have this dog cremated? Oh. Like, it was important to me. Who's wait? Who? But I was telling you the story, not to be funny. I was like telling you about, as a cautionary tale. Yeah, like, make sure your wife's part of the decision because you're all gung ho. Like reading. <sighs> Who told me this? Was was hang on? Was it your story when you talked about the the, the vet? God damn it! I I wish I could have had a better memory about the vet. How did he say you could cremate him, or we could like? I can't remember what made me laugh so fucking hard. I, oh, like, were you, were you walking out? I don't remember, man. I haven't fuck. told that story in a really long time. Did someone... I, fuck, I can't remember. Like, that you were walking out, and you're like, all right, well, and he's like, well, like, what are we going to do with the body? I forget the fucking... <laughs> Maybe I can't the, remember. The guy who was at the vet thing was was a wacky dude. Like you could tell that he got like he enjoyed working at the pet urgent care. Like, yeah. You know, like oh, I got to cremate another one. You know. Like, yeah. God, I can't uh, remember. I there was someone told me I can't remember the fucking. I want to say Hulk Hogan for some reason. That but, would be that would be an awesome story to hear from Hulk Hogan. But uh, no, I can't remember. Oh, the fucking those two stories made me laugh. I like when I'll just giggle and think, fucking. He lived till he was 16. Yeah, a dog lived forever. As Priscilla's like, Priscilla's, Mona, we got Mona for free. She was a rescue. 
The biggest problem is she done. She's a little racist because she was born in the barrio. We didn't realize this, but yeah. so she was not. She was born in like East LA, so uh-huh. she had some bad experiences with Latino uh, dudes. And so anytime she saw a Latino dude, she kind of freaked out, and we didn't know how to deal with it. I've told her on stage. I'm not going to go into it. We know how to deal with it until we found out. Uh, she fucking speaks Spanish. Like she was born in East LA. Like of course she speaks Spanish. Yeah. Like that's how you got to talk to that dog. Is in Spanish. She wasn't listening to us. So yeah, we're I've like, seen oh, dogs yeah. like that. So um, like if you wanted to sit, you go Santa Day, and she sits. And so um, but Priscilla, we spent an arm and leg for because I wanted the dog that I wanted, and yeah. uh, and it's and Leanne's fucking. It's the exact same. Leanne did not want the dog. We got the dog. Then Leanne kind of fell in love with the dog. And then she she ate, like, it started, like, the first time she ate a whole corn on the cob. She ate the whole thing. Yeah. yeah and, oh, man. Bogey ate an entire chocolate cake at a party <laughs> we had one time. Whole, and, like, I think he, like, he was trying to get it. And then all my friends at the party thought it would be funnier to watch the dog eat the chocolate cake yeah. and eat it themselves. And know? that's dangerous. Chocolate's yeah, it's really fucking. fucking chocolate. Yeah, it's really dangerous. Well, this is the same dog that ate a bowl of chocolate and just shit out the Snickers bars. It was fine. Like, mm. this dog had, had Pris- an iron bastille for a stomach, apparently. Priscilla had one really eventful Easter. That she ate a fucking bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, George's chocolate, mm-hmm. and we were terrified. They're like, "No, dogs that big are fine." And then we look at Mona, and Mona's got chocolate all over her fucking yeah. face. And they're like, "That size is dangerous." But now with this ACL, it's like Leanne. You'll see her. She'll walk Priscilla real slowly out here. She can't walk. She can't run for like yeah. six mo- like six weeks. So, so the dog has the ACL injury, and then did you you had a, a heel spur issue? Oh fuck! Oh my god! I'm so glad you're talking about this. I talked about this, I think, last week on the podcast, but I've been going through uh, plantar fasciitis. How do I say it? I've always said it wrong. Plantar fasciitis, I think. I've been going through plantar fasciitis. Turf toe, basically, right? No, it's like a heel spur. Like, it's, 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 what it is is. Plantar fasciitis is more, I think, on the bridge of your foot, isn't it? No. Your, your plantar is your foot. Okay. Fasciitis is, is any kind of pain in your foot, I think, technically. All right, all right, all right. But mostly it's the tendons underneath your foot. Okay. Yeah. The tendons yeah, underneath yeah, yeah. your f- feet. That's what I'm talking about. Is what, so it hurts to stand up and to like get up in the morning is fucking painful as fuck. And then I guess sometimes that pain will then in- create a bone spur, which happens on your heel. And what, you, what it is is it's a, it is an iceberg upside down on your heel that you had. That every time you step, it feels like a needle's going into your fucking foot. Yeah. And people have the surgery and get it taken off. And some people don't. Some people, I think, do ultrasound maybe or something. Yeah. yeah, And, you, and just rest, too. And rest is the number one thing. But I, I, was, playing, shoes, I was playing flag football. I did a juke, and I felt a pop. And I, as soon as I did that, it was like a brand new pain I'd never felt. And I was like, holy shit. And I couldn't walk on my foot for a week. I was like, I was hobbled. I then went and did two episodes of Trip Flip, which were fine, except for one involved a, a boar hunt. And so I had to run through the jungles of hawaii <laughs> fucking chasing dogs that were chasing a pig and by the end i was like someone fucking put a knife in me because i'm fucking done <laughs> and i literally could not stand i had my feet in ice every single day but it's getting much better yeah and so then i t- i think i tweeted anyone have any cures anyone have any good cures for uh for heel spurs and like dr steve from uh opian anthony he does weird medicine he's on uh bobby kelly's network uh-huh. he tweeted like very nice tweeted me like um this uh this is the first step to healing and then you were like 
Be careful. Mine ruptured and re- and my Achilles went up into my calf and I had to have surgery. I, I always like, bring the cautionary tales, don't I? Motherfucker. I started panicking. All I've been doing is panicking thinking about that happening. Yeah. I, I, I felt bad putting it in your head, but I also felt like I had such a bad experience with my doctor. What happened? So... My same thing, like my, we were, I was playing basketball, trying to get back in shape and everything, uh, and I was working at the car dealership like a lot of hours, so I was just in really bad shape, and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta you know, get back in the swing of things. Yeah. And uh, so I started playing basketball for us and some other comics, and the day after we would play, my, my foot would just hurt a lot. I'm like, yeah. I didn't sprain my ankle or anything, and then it would hurt for like two days, and I'd be fine. So finally, I, I went to a foot doctor. Like my uncle recommended this, like, this doctor is like a super old guy, right? My dad has said one thing to me since I was a child. Never trust a fucking podiatrist. Yeah. He literally has said, because I think lawyers especially. I had a hard time getting someone to recommend. So I asked everyone. Nobody, there's always somebody wants to recommend their guy. Yeah. Nobody was like, oh, I got a good foot guy. No, my, my chiropractor won't recommend a podiatrist to me. Yeah. He's like, uh. uh They're all shady, I guess. He's I like, know. well, I guess I, I don't know. What, and I'm sure I'm going to hear this from some yeah. podiatrists. Maybe and I don't mean a, to slander. Maybe it's just a weird part of the body to like. I, from what I understand, you don't have to go to med school to be a podiatrist. Oh, uh, all right. And like so. A chiropractor. Like a chiropractor. Yeah. You go to like podiatry school and you learn about the feet. Now, I trust anyone who learns only about one part of the body and then only deals with yeah. that. However, um, I guess there have in like the 80s, probably early 80s, there were some straight up hacks yeah. who, would fuck, who would fuck feet up. And uh, and I guess that is is kind of lingering, and the, I guess podiatry is still kind of reeling from whatever happened in the eighties, and I'd say eighties because as my dad was like, he said I had so many malpractice suits against podiatrists, like just he goes I'd never go to one. So there, so what we've learned today is that car sales been good, podiatrist bad. I guess, man. Yeah. I, so keep going. So you go, you find a podiatrist. So I go, so I go, and I'm, I'm finally like I got got some. I need someone to look at this. So the guy does little x-rays or whatever they do, and he tells me, all right, look, you definitely have a heel spur. He's like, you could do surgery, but there's no, there doesn't always need surgery. Like, you can just rest it for a month, and we'll see what happens, you know? He's like, now, I also want to tell you that it's very close to your Achilles heel, and it could or could not be bugging your Achilles heel, you know? And the guy, I had an inflamed, like, bursa sac or something like that, I think is the, the right terminology. I don't know. Where's my phone? I want to see what that looks like. And so he, What's a uh, bursa sac? I think it's just, like, um, where your tendons basically meet your, um, your bone or whatever. Okay. It, like, gets, um, it gets inflamed. I was about to show you. And, and gets By the way, fluid. I want to show you just, just talking. Yeah. Don't read this. All right. Let me make sure that I know where we are. This is the text my wife just sent me. Don't read it out loud, but just read it. <laughs> if, yeah, if, if the any, media got a hold of that. If the media got a hold of that, yeah. fucking no one Done. Would, yeah, done. Yeah. But yeah. I'm going to delete that right now. Yeah. Richie, <laughs> it's, it's you about, would make Richie Incognito cry. <laughs> and it wasn't anything racial. We're just talking about the vet. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> so um, so keep going. So All right. So, so basically, he... I don't know if he shot it with uh, some sort of steroid or drained it or whatever, but he did something that some people told me later on that that might have been a mistake because it, it weakens your your tendons. So, wait, so what's the what's the fucking thing? What's it called? A, a Horatio uh, sack? Uh, uh, I think it's a bursa sack. Bursa. But don't quote me on any of this stuff because sack. this was several years ago. Keep going. And uh, and I've watched a lot of NFL injury reports since then that I might be just. Imp- 
putting just, into I'm my just story. I'm looking up Im- images. All right. So, um, so the guy. So basically, the the plan was to rest it. So I rested it. Didn't do anything, and uh, for for a month, and it felt better. It felt fine, you know. And I came back, and the guy goes, "All right. Um, well." I knew something was a little shady because I went in for my appointment, my follow-up appointment, and I was in the waiting room for two hours. There was all these like, old people that were in there too. And this doctor like just didn't show up for work that day basically. So then he, got, he shows up and then he's just like trying to take patients really fast to catch up, right? So he comes like, – they pull me back finally and he comes like whizzing into the room and he's like, how's it feel? I'm like, feels great. He goes, all right, well, let's just go ahead and, uh, and push it now. You know, do your regular routine and we'll see if it hurts. If it doesn't hurt, great. If it does, then we'll talk about having surgery. All right, great. And that probably was awesome advice for the heel spur, but probably not so much for the tendon. He probably should have rechecked the tendon at that point. Because yeah. what was happening was the heel spur was rubbing the tendon. And it had been like kind of fraying, and I was unaware of it. You know? Oh, fuck. So now my tendon's weakened, and I don't even know it, right? And my well, wife and I were Where point- is this heel spur on your foot? Can you point to it? I think I had it back here, kind of. Oh, my God. Motherfucker. Back. Keep going. So, um... So my wife and I were playing in an adult kickball league at the time, you know, which are kind of popular, the wacka leagues or whatever. Yeah. And I had been sitting out a couple of weeks, but now I'm like, right, I'm going to play tonight and see how it feels, right? So I was out in the field and it felt fine. And then I go up for my first at bat playing a game that nine-year-olds excel at. <laughs> I kicked the ball and I immediately felt like the kicker kicked me in the back of the leg with spikes. And I turned around like, what the hell, man? And the guy was 10 feet away from me. And like, yeah. my brain couldn't comprehend what just happened. And I look over at the dugout, and everyone's going, run, run, right, because the ball's out in the outfield. Yeah. So, uh, so I started running towards first base, and every step I took, I was like, something is not mechanically right with my legs, right? <laughs> and I made it because I still had a – like my, um, my tendon broke, but a little strand was still connected. So then it split. My up. asshole's tingling Yeah, right so now. now it's split up to my calf. So half my tendon was up by my calf. The other half was still hanging on by a string, right? Mm-hmm. So I collapsed on first base. And now my, my wife thought my heel was just hurting a little bit like it had been, you know? Fucking women. And she comes out and she's like, baby, you know, go sit in the, in the dugout. I'll run the bases for you, you know? Go rest. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, go get the car. We're going to the emergency <laughs> room. Like, I, my body is telling me something is wrong, right? <laughs> so she helps, helps me limp to my car. And we get in and we go to the emergency room and had to have surgery on it a couple of days later. Really? Yeah, and they had it. So then I, I have surgery, and they knock you out completely, and they, they do a nerve block on your leg. And they, I didn't realize it was so invasive, but they like butterfly your leg open, you know? And like, they, wait, the back of your leg? Yeah. Like, let me see. So like, do you have, have a scar? This, yeah. This is going to be a hard scar to look at. Holy shit! So they basically butterfly your leg open. Is that open. part of it, too? So, yeah, so this, I don't know, this was when I was a little kid, I went through a water bottle. Okay. Face first and nicked my tendon then actually too. Really? But um so, so they so they, so, so they shaved the, the the heel spur off, they put a um a screw in, they sewed my tendon back to itself, and then they re anchored it back into my heel. And um I, I I wake up from the um from the surgery and I'm laying in my bed and no one's in the room with me at this point, right? Because it's like middle of the night or whatever, and I'm waking up and I'm on meds. And I can't feel the lower half of my body because they, they put that nerve block on, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and my leg's heavily wrapped, and it's under the blankets and everything, so I can't see it really either. And I'm waking up, and as I wake up, I look down, and on the tray in front of me in my bed, they had put some digital photos they took of the surgery, oh. and it looked way more gruesome than I had like expected in my head. 
So now I'm freaking out. I thought I felt like a Civil War soldier that like amputated my leg, right? Yeah. And the nurse came in, like, "How you feeling?" I'm like, "What happened? <laughs> what happened? I can't feel my leg. Is my leg there? I'm my winging leg out. There. They took my fucking leg from kickball. I thought I lost my leg from kickball. <laughs> uh, the- but luckily, it was all right, man. And I rehabbed back, and it's fine. My dad told me a really hilarious story this weekend. You know, Forrest Shaw and Al Jackson have both popped their tendons. The three of us all came up together in the same little concert. Are you serious? In Miami, yeah. All three of us in the past few years have popped our Achilles. Do you think Joel is to blame? <laughs> Maybe somehow, some way. Joel, if Joel is for by not by having that Miami stage so sticky. Yeah, that's what it is. Fucking stickiest stage. It's, it's the, the degree of the steps. Joel is the owner of the Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm. Tempe, Louisville. He's the owner of com- some a bunch of comedy clubs. He's a very nice guy. He's a friend of ours. My dad told me a really fascinating story. I love your mom and dad, by the way. My dad, yeah. My dad's a... You, yeah, you've, you met my dad. Yeah. yeah. So, um, my dad is... Uh, my dad's, like, very, for anyone who's listening to this podcast has heard my dad. He's a very matter-of-fact kind of guy. So, And he's very a little bit of a hypochondriac in every sense. And he wants me to get my heart checked out. And he said... Uh, he said, you, you know, I really want you to go get a stress test. And I said, well, I, I'd love to, but right now my foot's hurt. Stress test is where they, for those of you who don't know, they hook you up to a bunch of monitors all for your heart, and then they get you on a treadmill, and they get you to your maximum fitness level. Like, they get your heart rate to, like, 190. Yeah. It's like, that's like John Taffer does a stress test on Bar Rescue. He does? Yeah. Does he really? It has nothing to do with this. I just felt like bringing it up. Yeah, so so the, it's uh, it's like hardcore. They put you on a treadmill. They put the incline at 13. They put the speed at fucking 10. And they basically get your heart to its maximum volume, like maximum capacity, heart rate. And so my dad goes, no, 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 buddy. Buddy, I had a... I I just had a stress test. I go, how'd you have a stress test? He goes, because he has a bad knee. He had surgery on his knee. He goes, oh, fuck. You, you don't even know. I said, What? But they do. He goes in. It's him and another dude, and they put them on tables like right next to each other, and they have them both hooked up to the stress test. And the other dude has like a mustache, smells like cigarettes, like balding, maybe two ninety five eight, like just a big fucking. And they're both in their sixties, and they have their shirts off, and they're all wired up. And then they fucking inject them with like adrenaline or some sort of thing that will physically put their body through the stress test. Without them having to exercise. Okay. So they inject them. And so they're both Why like, are they doing two at a time? They just happen to be in the room at the same time. Right. So it's, you know, it's like a cardiologist does it. And, you know, if they got two people. I thought, I thought fucking, there was like one was like the control group or something. No, no, no. <laughs> they're just two guys right. in their 60s who are really out of shape, <laughs> who need a stress test, who cannot work out physically. All right. So they have them all wired up. They give them the shot. And the guy next to my dad feels his first. And he's like, whoo, whoo, man. <laughs> I'm getting a little hot. You getting hot? My dad's like, my dad's like thinking I'm better shape than this guy. And then all of a sudden, my dad feels it. My dad's like, whoa, I'm getting a little hot too. And the guy goes, I think I'm dying, man. <laughs> my dad's like, I think I'm dying too. The guy goes like, I'm having a fucking heart attack. And my dad's like, me too. But basically, what they're doing is they're getting the workout without moving. Yeah, like their body feels like it's working out at a ten, but yeah. they're not moving, and they're like, they can't calm it down, and they're pouring sweat. They're flushed, and they're like, I'm fucking dying, man. And they're both on this thing, like, dueling heart attacks. I'm going down. Tell me, hold my hand, and they're holding hands. Oh god. And then they're cardiologist comes in he's like okay we're wrapping up they're like make it stop 
But I just thought, what a fucking hilarious scene in a movie of two yeah. guys getting a stress test. But your heart rate is at like 190, and you're sweating profusely, but you're just laying there. Like, how fucking terrifying is that? It's one thing when you get on the treadmill and you feel it. Well, especially if you're like running, then your mind is on that. Like, yeah. You know? But the, when you're just sitting there, your mind is solely on how weird your body feels at the time. Yeah, it's so fucking crazy. But yeah, I, I thought that was really fucking funny. My dad was here this weekend. He's like, "Buddy, I listen to all your fucking podcasts. So I have notes." Yeah. I was like, "Really?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I have, I have notes. notes. I got some big notes." Well, you're, the the things I remember about your mom and dad were one uh, when we were in Marco Island, you had like a um like a like a sun sore on your lip or something. <laughs> And that your mom oh. came in and was making you wig oh out about it. God. It was it was on was... my it was right above my mustache. Yeah. It's so that right I'll above my forget. mustache on my right on my 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 left side, and I had had it. Uh, by the way, I'm going to tell you what it was. Okay, because I obviously I, it's gone. Um, well, I have an allergy, and I had done this. I had done this cleanse, and I had been taking these pills, and I had an allergy, and it had, it had been exacerbated by that. Okay. And so that's what it was. But it was this thing under my nose, and my mom comes in, and the first thing she and the night before I put vitamin E on it, thinking that would make it go away. And you were a little worried about. I it. was a little worried about Not it. Not a and, lot, but then she walks in, and she's like, "Oh, honey, you have herpes." <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> it hadn't even met her. She hadn't even said like, "Hey, Bert, how you doing? Yeah. Great to see you, sweetheart." It was like, "Oh, that could be herpes." Honey, you have herpes. We need to clear that up. And I went, "Mom, I don't have herpes." No, honey, you have herpes. It's on your face. I get it in my eyes sometimes. I'm like, "What? What the fuck are you talking about?" She's like, "What you have? I get it in my eyes. It's herpes." I go, "Mom, this isn't herpes. I don't have fucking herpes, and you don't get it on your cheeks." She's like, "No, no, no, no. You can get it wherever you want." No, it's it's like, look, it's a form of herpes, yeah. and it just starts going. And I'm like, "Oh my god!" And I start spiraling, and you're laughing so fucking hard, but I'm spiraling, and my mom's like, "Come on, we're gonna go get you a bunch of stuff." They come back with a medicine cabinet full of medicines. And they're like, put this on your herpes. I'm like, it's not herpes. Yeah, I just immediately was thinking like, oh, it is so nice to meet you. Like, this is going to be so much fun. Because it just wigged you out immediately. Oh, you know? fucking, and then your I was dad, I remember the TV, it was like a foot, big football weekend, and we wanted to watch football, but we couldn't figure out how to make the TV work in the um, in the comedy condo. There's this yeah. big entertainment center, so you couldn't even get to the wires behind the, the TV. Yeah. And then your dad came in and was like, you guys don't have the game on? Like, yeah, know? yeah. Like, and we literally had to crawl behind the entertainment center, like Indiana Jones. And Did we, we got that somewhere. TV working. We, didn't we, we got it working. Yeah, man. Yeah, we've been working we, on it we, all we week. We wired the fuck out of it, but we got it working. Condo is an understatement for what that place is. It looks like where they shoot uh, Persian porn. It is a. It is a four bedroom, three bedroom. Yeah, and I'm staying at a hotel. Yeah, like over in Naples, and you were like, "Dave, I have a four bedroom condo." Yeah, I go have a four bedroom condo with a fucking hot tub, yeah. and I was like, "Just get the fuck out of there and come with us. Come stay here." So you stay with me. We both stayed in there, and uh, and the, the member I had rented, I had a gone, red Corvette, right? I had rented a red Corvette. I'd gone to the Miami airport. It was it was a New Year's Eve gate. Yeah, New Year's dude, Eve. that fuck. We that saw was, that guy get thrown through the, the guy window? get thrown through the plate gas window. I put that on YouTube. If anyone wants to see it, go to my YouTube channel. That's on there. It's Dave and I recorded that. And then uh, that famous girl came to the show. Who's that? The girl from uh, Venus or like the, that famous girl. Remember that famous girl? I'm really not doing you justice. Uh, if you're not, I know you're not listening. The famous girl. She's from Fort Myers or from. Um, she, I can't remember. I do, I do vaguely remember this, but I don't remember who it was. Was she a model or a TV person? TV or? person. Like worldwide famous or locally famous? God damn it. She was in. 
How great how, how great is uh Brant's and Jeff Dye's uh Marco Island story? Pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. That's fucking know. by the way, and I, I don't know Jeff Dye at all, but that's fucking that 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 fucking is so Brant just fucking getting into fucking trouble. Yeah, Jeff uh Jeff seems like a good He's a like, good guy, man. I've met him recently and hung out with him a few times and he yeah. says he did that story on um uh, uh oh, who's got the new show? Um Pete Holmes? No, no, no. Storytelling show on Comedy Central. Ari Shapiro. Ari. On Ari's new show. So yeah. I, can't, I can't wait to hear him tell it. Um, the, uh, yeah, that's a fucking. And people can, can can go back and listen to your podcast with Brant to hear that. Brant story. told it on this podcast. Yeah. But uh, what was that girl's name, man? She was, she's like an actress. And she grew up in uh, in Marco tequila, Island. Tequila, tequila or something? No. Or? And she came to the show. And we didn't even give a fuck oh, who she was. Oh, yes. And then someone was like, oh, yes. my God, can you believe what's her name came and saw you perform? I do remember that. And we yes. were like, we were like, shut up. And then we geeked yeah, out. Yeah, man. It was someone random like uh, from like uh, Dawson's Creek or yeah, something. Something like that. Yeah. And it, But she was hot as shit. Yeah. And she was dressed down. And she was just hanging out with her friends. Uh, and they I went totally to totally remember that. Yeah. And her, her brother was a big comedy fan. And we geeked out. And she's gorgeous. But, uh. Yeah, and then I, I, man, I got so many. I almost died that week. Yeah, the palm tree. Almost the palm tree landed almost my landed. My wife on. said that the other day. We were sitting eating somewhere, and there was a big palm tree. And my wife goes, "Which one of your friends almost died from a palm tree?" And I was like, "Me." When I were in the Cayman Islands, that coconut almost hit me. Yeah. She goes, "No, no, no, no." And then, like twenty minutes later, we're eating dinner, and then she goes, "It was Bert with the palm frog." I was. I walked into that Starbucks. I had my glasses on. I had my headsets on. I was getting some steps in. I want to say that I was hurt, so I wasn't working out. Like something was wrong. I, I was hurt. You had I was, herpes on your. Face. I was. I was had herpes on my face. I was. I and I had. I had put vitamin E on it, and it was. And I had greasy face. So I go into the Starbucks. I take my sunglasses. I get my large iced coffee. I then. Get my sunglasses back on, and the vitamin E was on my sunglasses. So I, I realized this. I put my headsets back in, and I'm walking. I put my sunglasses on, and I realized there's vitamin E all over them. So I stop. I take my sunglasses off. I clean my sunglasses with my shirt, and I hear a fucking transformer explode. Just, and I'm like, whoa, what was that? And I hear it. I take my headsets out. I heard it through my headsets, and I'm looking around going like – I was listening to a podcast though, but yeah. like – and I'm like – what was that? And then a French, I want to say French or like Spanish from the Canary Islands comes up with his whole family and they're all in like those tight shorts with those tight racing shoes and <laughs> tight shirts that are black with a collar up and his hair is slicked back and he's overweight, but he still looks good. And yeah. he's he's like, you are a very lucky man. Yeah. And I went, thank you. Because I thought he recognized me. Yeah. And I was like, you have a very great My job. My brain always goes there, too. And yeah. I'm not nearly as well recognized <laughs> as you are. I go, thank you. Yeah, I know. And he goes, no, you could have died. And I went, yeah. Huh? And as he walked past, I followed him to watch. And a foot behind me is a 30-foot, yeah. maybe 200-pound palm frond yeah, those that had no landed joke, just inches from me i was like from, from like probably like 100 yards up too man those trees are tall and i was i was sitting there like it was literally a foot behind me and i went holy shit and i had this like i walked seven miles that day and i just kept thinking i'm alive like yeah. how the fuck did that i'm alive like it was so craziest that fight that palm frond getting herpes and and that girl i want to say it's Lacey charbet but it's not it's the girl's a uh, very I've talked about her one time on Rogan's podcast, but uh, um, that was a really eventful fucking weekend. Yeah. And then the Porsche, and then or the Corvette. I'd gone to Miami Airport. It was New Year's Eve. Do you remember the guy that fucking heckled me? 
Do you remember I, I said I said there yeah, was got, I have it on audio. I do. I had he pod- got kicked out, right? Some guy got kicked out. He went out. Yeah, he went out like kicking and Oh, I do remember there's a big group of people and he's like, "Too far, man." Too far, too he, far. He walks up to the stage, and you're like, "Are you fucking serious?" Man? I go, "Are you fucking serious?" Because I, I, it was at the time when if you dealt with a heckler too strong, you got in trouble, and yeah. I didn't want to get in trouble, so I, did, I was like, "I didn't know how to handle this." Because he was trying, and she obviously didn't give a shit, but he was trying to stand up for her because he was trying to get with her. She, thing. he was trying to fuck her. There was a girl in the audience, and I said, "What do you do for a living?" And she said, "I wipe old people's asses," and I said, "Really." And she said, yeah. She didn't say, I work in an... an I, she said, I wipe old people's asses. So clearly, she's trying to be funny. I don't know that what she does. I'm like, really? You wipe old people's asses? Clearly, she works at an old age home. I wasn't... On stage, you don't get all the backlog that you might get now. And I go, I bet... I, I, I would look just by looking at you, I think you're probably overqualified. And she And everyone laughed. She goes, no, I wipe their asses. And I go, no, I heard you the first time. I'm just telling you. I'm looking at you. I'm sure you went to college. I bet you're overqualified. I bet there's more you can do than just wipe their asses. And she, and she was trying to explain it, but I it was getting such a big laugh that I yeah. was going for the laugh. And well, then and she was drunk too. So she was sure hammered, she, but she was a fan of mine. Yeah. She had come to see me do stand-up, and she had brought this big group of people, and he was one of the guys, and he didn't know anything, and he stood up and he goes, that's it. That's enough. Too far. Yeah. And I go, what? He goes, too fucking far. And he started walking on the stage. I go, the fuck are you doing? I go, I'm going to take this. Gor- I remember saying, I'm going to take this gorilla display of testosterone right now, and I'm going to respect it just in the sense that I don't want to hurt her feelings. But you're acting like a fucking idiot. Yeah. And, and I go, and I will not stop talking about you. I will stop talking about her, but I will not stop talking about you. And he's like, too far. And everyone's yeah. like, get back in your fucking seat. And then she started crying. Do you remember this? She started crying because she was embarrassed that he embarrassed her. Yeah. She was like, he, I don't know if he if he actually said this, but the feel of it was kind of like he's like, that's it. We're out of here. Let's go, guys. And like nobody follows him. Nobody out, followed him out. And, like, and no one was behind him, but he was going to make a scene. You know? He was going to make a scene. And she was embarrassed. She's like, I'm a fan of yours. We drove him from Fort Myers. I'm really excited to see you. We were having fun. He and she kept going. We do not know him. Yeah. Like he was just friends with somebody. And I was like I was like, wow. And then I brought her on stage. We did a shot. She was like, had the fucking blast. Same time we made that uh that couple kiss. Do you remember that? Yeah. On New Year's Eve, I probably there was a young that, Dude, there was so every you made a story every show. I, that was you, that was chaos incarnate yeah. every single show. Remember that guy was he was married and he got up and he made out with that girl. Yeah. And it was like chaos. Yeah. That fucking old guy in the whole white outfit that sat up front that was good friends with Captain Brian. Captain Brian's like, did you porka? Did you porka? Did you porka? I fucking love Brian. Yeah. The fucking uh, guys from Broken Lizard came on the show. By the way, everyone's like, we're getting you reminiscing. None of this is making any sense. The guys from Broken Lizard came on the show. and I opened for them and Marco. (laughs) They were like, they were like, do you ever talk shit about comedy clubs? I was like. I know, but I don't. I mean, I don't mind. Like, I know a lot of clubs. I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah. Like every club I, I, I work at. I opened for him the whole weekend, but I opened for him at least one night there. They were like fucking Captain Brian's, and I was like, I first of all, I love Captain Brian's because of Brian and because of the chaos, yeah. and because of the food, and because it's fun and it's what comedy was like when you were starting out, and it was it's tough. You don't yeah. just get it because you get on stage. And those like those guys, like I love them, man. But I don't know if they've been doing specifically stand up live shows for that long. They said, I think they said that they they have been you doing have, it they're, you know? yeah they're doing it they're doing it now and they're really passionate about it yeah. and they're really really cool guys um and they're funny but but you yeah, know I you got to be you got to be like a road comic it's it is a glorified bar gig 
It is a it is a bar that gig. pays well. Yeah, it's a bar gig that pays like a comedy club and has um, the the a headliners and um, and great sound and lights and everything. But you are and a great staff. But the but the um, the audience is in a bar mentality. It's it's a restaurant. They're there to eat food and some people are there not to see comedy. Like some people did not know there was going to be a comedy show. Just that whole island is something. It's like Cougar Town. It's like a it's like a fictional place that you can't believe lives there. Like, I have a, a like a an uncle, basically a great uncle. So it's basically my uncle's uncle. So not necessarily related to me, but I've known the guy my whole life. And his wife, he has a house on Marco Island. He's done well for himself in the stock market. Has a nice house on Marco, right? Yeah. Old guy. His wife died a couple of years back. I am telling you, not a week after his wife died, this 30-year-old, blonde-haired, Polish chick moved herself into his house. And we could not intervene. Like, you know, like she was just... Was she hot? She was hot. Okay. And, uh, who, you know, I guess she was giving him a little rub and tug. And uh, she was his girlfriend. She got all the credit cards. And we could not talk him out of it. And if we tried, then we were basically cut out of the will. You know, like we were, we were being ostracized from his life. So we're like, all right, we're going to put up with it and deal with it. And if that's the way you want to live your life, then that's fine. No, yeah. big, no big deal. Yeah. You know, if you want to live the years you have left, with, God bless you. You worked hard for it. You like know? that Anna Nicole's but, husband? But what we didn't like was the fact that she was very manipulative and was trying. She didn't want just a piece while he was alive. She wanted everything. Yeah. So she was working her way into all the paperwork and all that shit. Oh, wow. So it got really deep. But to fast forward to a couple of years later, like I stayed with him the first time that, that she lived there because I used to stay with him when I'd go to work gigs in Marco. Yeah. And I stayed there one weekend, and I'm like, I don't feel comfortable with this, and I just stopped staying there. You know, I just drive back and forth or stay in a hotel. Yeah. Um, and so uh, so fast forward a couple of years later, um, she had totally cut him off from the family. Like He wouldn't talk to any of us. And uh, except for my cousin, who is uh, the same girl that I was telling you about with the hurricane. Yeah. And uh, she just knows Uncle Nicky and is very close with him and realized that he wasn't acting like himself. And she did a little um, snooping and busted her for poisoning his food. Really? Poisoning his food. And Are you uh, fucking kidding and me? And they took that and they were able to get her arrested. And then they started going through paperwork. And she had been stealing all kinds of money from under his nose, building really? a house, getting a tit job. All this stuff, man. Shut up. Yeah. And so they, they threatened to have her deported, and they couldn't really ever really um, – because his signature was on shit, and they couldn't really prove which was forged and which wasn't. And uh, that's the kind of shit that happens on Marco Island, man. That's fucking crazy. So then his house was empty. It was just like a vacation house for them because he went to go live with my uncle in Miami. Yeah. So then when I went to Marco Island to work, I would just stay in this empty mansion on the water. Oh. <laughs> Get hammered at Captain Brian's. They'd always hook me up with great food and drink. I'd I love. Gig. I'll tell you and what, then man. I'd stumble a block down to a mansion and pass out. I love. I love. I, I. I mean, I don't know. My schedule just doesn't permit anything anymore. Who's this? But like, I love doing that gig. I had such a fun time. Oh, it's my agent. Well, they're closing. Let's see, let's see what happens. If it's, I have. Ju- yeah. It's Reg. How are you? Hey, Reg. What's up? much uh you have a good thanksgiving yeah 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 you're on the podcast i'm doing a podcast what's up is it important oh, fantastic it's not important you can call me back or i can call you afterwards reg tigerman yeah yeah it's reg so reg said hey it was just in billings montana with him for a weekend really the big sky Who's that? Yeah. it's uh dave williamson ah hello dave what's up reg i'm so glad we can uh etch this moment in podcast history that's it buddy forever yeah We're linked all right bert i'll talk to you later is it important uh 
Uh, no, it's about scheduling something for a night this week. Oh, uh, what night? Uh, uh, either tomorrow or Wednesday. Is it with, uh, with, is it with, a sh- with Scott, uh, the producer? Oh, okay. Um, I, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing, uh, I have, I have a show tomorrow night. I'll, I'll call you back. I'll call you back. Great. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. Thanks. Um, yeah, I love Reg. He's, oh. I'll tell you what made me love Reg. I'm in mm. Montreal yeah, this year. Yeah, he's good dude, man. And, um, you know, I have, uh, I'm doing this show that, I, whatever show I'm doing and, he had booked like a an, a spot before that at like some club, and I'm so not user friendly to anything. Like when it comes to doing stand up, I almost want to be picked up by the club, brought to the club, do the show, and then brought home. I don't want to be bothered with a lot of the fucking you know like uh, let me see if I can get a cab. Where do I get a cab at? What's the address? Let me print that out. And and I'm not used to that in in going like you know in any in any form of stand up, and so um. And I was had to do the show, and I didn't know what it was, and I was like fucking stressing, and Reg could see it, and I had to do my ta- my real taping that night. I had to do that that night, so I was doing back to back, and Reg could see it, and he just goes, "You know what? Why don't I just take you to the to the show, the club? I'll find out all the info. I'll just get us a car, and then I'll take you back to the taping, and I'll make sure you're ready for it." And I was like, "Dude, that's exactly what I was fucking thinking." Yeah, but I fucking love him. Yeah, I mean that's what you want, right? I yeah. Mean, what was the Big Sky thing? So it's uh, the Big Sky Comedy Festival or competition or whatever yeah. Lucas Seeley and um, Augie Smith put on because uh, it's their hometown. And it's the second year they've done it. And it was great, man. It was so much fun. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, uh, like 40 top-notch comics, man. Like really, really good comics. And uh, they just – the thing that was cool about it was not only did they take care of like the hotel and, and our meals – yeah, but they um, set up a lot of stuff for us to do, like hanging out. And there was a lot of industry there, like Reg and and a bunch of other like, you know, book- bookers and managers, and um, yeah. you know, like Paige from the Improv came and everything. That's and, great. Uh, and then we got to do a lot of fun stuff during the day. Like they set up like uh, we went to a gun range and shot guns, and we went to a, on a horseback ride and um, did stuff like that. So it's Montana's fun. fucking beautiful. We did an episode up there this year. Yeah, it was so great. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of festivals. Like I know Ari's doing like the Sweden festival, the Stockholm fest, Swi- uh, Switzerland or Sweden. Is it? I don't know. I don't know. There's a new one, and or not? It's not new, but I guess it's new to American comics because a lot of people were vote for me and stuff on Facebook. Yeah, that's yeah. Someone asked me to vote for them, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. But I totally was like, uh, I always forget. I always forget. I always forget. You know what I was? I noticed though the other day, last night, is how many people love Brody Stevens. Uh, yeah, I watched that thing last night. It no, but good. like, how many people tweeted it on their own? Like, oh, I yeah, tweeted yeah, it on my own, vote. just like, yeah. oh yeah, everyone watch this. I think the comedy community in general, when somebody gets something that's a a, a, a comic, you know, they've been around for a long time, they're they're funny and they're nice to people. The rest of the community supports them, you know. I think, when, when I s- think, I think that is true. I think that is entirely true. When you see somebody who's just like a flash in the pan, you know, reality star kind of guy yeah. gets a show, then maybe not so much. But the people that deserve to get supported almost always get supported. Man, it's a great community. Yeah. Um, what do you have anything to promote? Uh, sure. <laughs> what, are you going to post this this week? I'm going to post this. Um, I don't know. I may post it. I don't know. All right. Well, I may post if I get. I'm supposed to do a couple other, and so I may just load up this week. I just posted one yesterday. I may post it next week. Okay. Well, if you do post it this week, I'll be at San Diego at the Comedy Palace on December 6th and 7th. But if not, then at the end of the month, I'll be at uh, in Orlando at one of the bonkers. 
And um, on New Year's and the weekend following New Year's, I'll be at a new club in Winston-Salem called Laughing Gas. And I'll put all that up at DaveWilliamsonComedy.com. And my Twitter is at DaveWComedy. Um, I am in – I only have one show. Oh, I've, no, I, I think I, – maybe I have two shows. I don't know. I have a show in Tampa that I'm doing. I think it's a surprise though. Hmm. I'm not sure if I can talk about it. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, I'm, I can't tell you when, and then I'm doing, or maybe I can, I don't know. If you know, then tweet me and go, no, Bert, you can, we've talked about it. Um, and then I'm doing New Year's Eve with, uh, uh, Doug Benson, um, Roy Scovel, Moshe Kasher, Natasha Legero, wow. and Pete Holmes. That's awesome, man. Where's that? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I actually don't know. Um, <laughs> your promotions aren't going well right Yeah, now. I'm not, I'm not that fucking great. And, uh... <laughs> Uh, this just in, Jen Kirkman. Hopefully, we'll be doing the podcast uh, later in the month. Uh, Brody Stevens coming up uh, maybe next week. And Dave, we're also got Miss Pat is going to be on the podcast. I, Pat. Really I don't know Miss Pat. She emailed me. She's like, "Get me on your podcast." And I was like, "I was like, I like that kind of attitude. Yeah. You're on, honey." Yeah, she's sweet. I like Miss Pat. And then Jordan Harbinger. Uh, he has a. Uh, he has a, a website called The Art of Charm. <clears throat> He's going to be – it's a bunch of guys who teach guys how to get laid. I think it's probably more than that. We're going to find out. I was on uh, his podcast with um, – with uh, never mind. I'm fucking – my brain's fried. Uh, that, and then Dave – Dave, Dave, I would like to have Dave back often. So uh, follow Dave on Twitter and go to see his live shows. What's your Twitter at? At Dave W. Comedy. That's right. At Dave W Comedy, and to close this, I will tell one story that I uh, that is absolutely hilarious about Dave. I go on um, was I wonder if it was Miami Radio or West Palm Radio or no, I went on Rogan's show and I made it. Oh yeah, I totally forgot about this. I made a joke about working with a guy who sold. Yeah, beer opener rings. Yeah, and he's like, and this guy was like, I worked with this guy, and he was, it was like, Heffron. You were doing a show with Heffron. I was doing a show with Heffron, and I was yeah. like, I was like, make it was my podcast. Me and Heffron were talking about it, and I was like, can you believe someone would? And they're like beer opener and wedding rings. So guys would, and he, the guy told me he's like, he's like, dude, these things are great. I get them for like fucking super cheap. Sell them for like ten bucks. The guy didn't have them though. He was just telling you like, hey, I have this idea. I have this idea. Yeah. Tell me what you think. And, I'm gonna sell beer opener wedding rings and i was like it's a fucking horrible idea he's like no 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 you gotta hear me out the fucking cost to make them is like 15 cents and i'm selling for 10 bucks it's a fucking money maker i go up i open a beer at the end of the show and i go guys this is what i'm selling so if you're married and you have a wedding ring trade it out and buy one of these beer opener wedding rings and i go dude no one's gonna fucking trade out (laughs) the ring that they got on their fucking wedding night, like the wedding, they're, they're, they exchange vows with for your beer opener fucking wedding ring. That's a, some piece of shit. And he was like, he's like, I'm telling you, man, you're seeing this all wrong. Heifer and I talked about it. We laughed hysterically on this podcast about it. Yeah, I just go, trashing the idea. I'm sitting in the back of the club and uh, in Marco, Marco, and Dave gets done his set, and he's like, All right, everybody, and tonight I'll be selling these beer opener wedding rings. <laughs> lost my shit i was like dave it wasn't you was it he was like no but i think someone's stealing my idea well as you're getting up on stage like uh 
as we're passing each other on stage, you go, did you listen to my podcast last week? And I go, no, no, I haven't. And you're like, good. I got to talk to you after. <laughs> and then after the show, I sold like 10 of them or some shit at that show. Oh, it, just it was so funny. Cause I remember people were had been fans of my podcast came up to me and they're like, he sells a fucking wedding ring. Yeah. I go, I know. But, oh. but apparently it was another Florida comic who was just kind of like, I guess maybe trying to show off in front of you or something and heard no that I, or seen me do that. Because I started selling those, like, you know, the past year. Oh, but you still sell them? I have. Um, not, but, I mean, I still have them if I go on the road and I'm not flying. Sometimes I'll sell them. But it was I, uh, just good. It was just good that when I was in the in the RV, I was trying to sell as much merch as possible. You know? Dude, you're telling me I'm making sh- I'm selling T-shirts like I work at Gap. Yeah. Uh, do you need to send a cop? Oh, fuck. All right. I got to go. I got to work today. Uh, I have to reply to emails and I got to call back what's his name um, Dave thank you for doing this man yeah, I appreciate man. it no no happy that we finally got it recorded correctly this time I hope yeah no it's it, we recorded it it's fucking still recording nice no I appreciate two it two hours alright brother thank you very much Dave oh alright thank you This episode was brought to you by The Machine.